Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. My name is Kyle Senra, and I'm your host. Also joining me is my co-host, Alessandro Senatore. Alessandro, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, Kyle. I'm doing pretty good. That's great. Uh, week one is in the books, so for half the teams, they're doing pretty good this week, coming off a victory, and the other half are uh, sort of questioning why they lost, or trying to pick up the pieces of that. Or crying. Uh, and, I mean, fantasy football is the same. I'm, half the people who played fantasy <laughs> won games, and half of them didn't. And I know for those of us playing multiple leagues, it's kind of a, a similar thing. Some leagues you win, some leagues you don't. Unless you're really good and you won every single league, at which point, good for you. But um, hey, 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 now, don't be hateful, because I've actually done that. Yeah, I, it's rare. Actually, I play so many leagues that it's rare for that to happen. But, yeah, it uh, definitely is possible. Uh, and, yeah, I shouldn't hate. Gotta just show the love for those who are, you know, I would say playing as well, but a lot of times it is just luck and kind of randomness. Um, I mean, certain players we expected to perform that, you know, all, you know, from all accounts from previous seasons performed consistently and didn't really do much. So it, uh, yeah, it was a, kind of an eye-opening week. Any uh, any big takeaways? Um, King Henry, wow. I was yeah. way wrong about that. I put out saying that King Henry should not go out, should not be started. Boy, was I wrong. I, I mean, we expected, I'm sure you expected this too, was that the Browns offense would do so well that, uh, you know, a sort of a, a one-dimensional back like Henry that's going to only run, you know, won't get as many opportunities. And, I mean, sure enough, he also had a big 75-yard screen reception, so... He's definitely not just a not just a one-dimensional kind of guy. I mean, it's slightly limited in what you can do with him in the passing game, but he's still a capable pass catcher as he showed. So, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, I guess the worries with uh, with Henry have always been he's always started the season poorly and then finished really well. So now that he's starting really well, it's the wonder: is he going to continue that trend and just do well all year? Or is it just going to be a, a four-game sample and then he'll go back to sucking for uh, <laughs> when you really need him in the fantasy playoffs? So. Uh, I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see with Henry, but I, I know I wasn't necessarily expecting a huge performance from him either. The top the top performances that blew me out of the water in a PPR setting was Henry first off because he just he, he pulled that out of somewhere. I I knew this was coming, but Dak put put up some really nice numbers. I mean, he put up thirty three point four points, and I was expecting a huge day, but not that huge. Whew. Um, the Ravens' defense did pretty good. They put up 14 points. Uh, granted, it's against the, the Miami, so I thought it was going to be mega points, but they put up some good ones. And the other team, my Jets, our defense, they put up some pretty good points, man. Yeah, the Mosley pick six, that was a thing of beauty, too, actually. Uh, yes, it was. Oh. And, and, I mean, that really, we'll get into that soon, but that really, him leaving seemed to really turn the tide of that game. Yeah, it, it did. Man, it, that and the kicking, it I don't. We we got a two pointer that would have nulled the first missed PAT, but that field goal that can't happen. Uh-uh. Especially in a what? What is it, a one point game? It finished or literally a one point game, seventeen sixteen. That breaks my heart. But anyways, like you said, we'll get back to it later. Uh, so yeah. Um, now, luckily, I, did you guys sign Sam Ficken? I saw. Yeah, we signed Sam Ficken, mm. and breaking fancy news, ladies and gentlemen, Demarius <laughs> Thomas. Is coming to the Jets. This is the first time since 2000 that the Jets and the Patriots have made a trade since the 
I'm not going to be the New York Jets head coach because I'm quit a lawsuit against the Jets in 2000 with Bill Belichick. I assume it was because they had originally promised him you know, full control, and as soon as he went to sign the contract, they're like, no, you're not getting full control. So then he's like, it, That's pretty much what happened. And you know what? We've, we've read that ever since. Smartest decision Robert Kraft ever made was telling Belichick, you get the full reins. And look, he's won him six Super Bowls. Sorry. Sorry to keep bringing that up, unfortunately. We, we all have to deal with that, not just Jets fans. Um, yes, well, you, you, well, at least you don't have to deal with the shadiness twice a year, okay? That's true, and I'm I'm pretty happy coming off a win, and let's actually start without that first game, the Packers defeating the Bears. Monster points put up 10-3. to 3. I mean, if this is a hockey game, there'd be monster points, but yeah, it, uh, definitely the, a defensive showdown. Uh, and I alluded to, some players we expected to perform week in, week out, and one of those for me was Devontae Adams. Uh, I know, talking about, we talked about this last week, our partnership with Statement Games, uh, I entered a Statement Games contest, and it was the Packers-Bears one. And my uh, it's the way Statement Games works, for those who uh, don't remember, it's uh, prop betting. You take 10 different prop bets from each game, each contest you enter, and you prioritize the prop bets. So your highest priority, if it comes true, will get you 10 points. Your second highest will get you 9, and then so on until uh, 1 point for your 10th your one. So uh, I know my in, in this Packers game... I put Devontae Adams, he had an over-under of 80.5 yards. I need him to get 81 yards. And uh, looking at his three previous games against the Bears, he had matched that, including last year when they had such a great defense. So I thought he was kind of a lock-in for sure. I know fantasy-wise, last year he, uh, he in PPR leagues, had a, had a, a true floor of 16 points. He never had a single game less than 16 points. So it was pretty incredible. It was, you know, first-round pick for sure throughout leagues. I know I had him in a couple leagues where I took him in the first round. So, uh, yeah, certainly a disappointing performance for him. Only 36 yards on six on eight targets. Only caught 50% of them, which is a little concerning. Uh, overall, the offense kind of looked off. That I think, I think the biggest thing to take away from that is that the Bears' defense, at least the defensive line, is for real. Packers have a good offensive line, maybe not league elite, but uh, certainly they were exploiting any weakness they could. I mean... Uh, I think there are four pretty solid starters on the Packers' offensive line, but left guard <laughs> Lane Taylor... He got beat often, you know, constantly having someone come right up the middle. It made it tough to run the football, certainly made it tough for Rodgers to find protection. And He started having success when he started getting out in the pocket, which was, again, I've come back to this. Matt LaFleur was trying to keep Rodgers in the pocket, quick throws more, but that just, they couldn't even get that amount of time to get quick throws off. So it uh, definitely threw the whole game plan off. I know I was super disappointed that Jerron Morrison didn't even see a target, let alone a catch. Um now, the one thing with Adams is he played a lot more in the slot than what was expected. I thought Allison would be the primary slot receiver, but that wasn't the case. And uh, of Rodgers, uh, how many completions did he have? Of his 18 completions, eight of them were between Valdez, Scanlon, and Adams, who do seem like the, the top two receivers on the, on the Packers. Um, Aaron Jones got the most opportunities. He had 13 carries, and yeah, quite a bit of that was in the second half when they were up. But it also shows that you know, who, who they want running the football there. I mean, Jamal Williams had five carries for zero yards, including a five-yard run. So he, he, on his other four carries, he had a combined negative five yards. So he just couldn't find any space. At least Jones looked explosive, and he was able to get that first step off. It's just uh, in tough defensive matchups, it's going to be really hard to play him. Uh, I know next week they play the Vikings, so that's also pretty tough. Uh, looking at the Bears' side of things, I mean, Allen Robinson had 13 targets, Tariq Cohen had 10 targets. That that seemed like a common sight last year. 
David Montgomery actually, he led the team in carries, but he was third among running backs in snaps. Also caught a big 27-yard pass, showed his receiving chops. So I definitely expect Montgomery to shoulder a bigger load, but you know they're, they're easing him into it as a rookie. Um, but still, like I mean, uh, of Trubisky's 45 attempts, I'm looking here, and 18 of them went to running backs. So it was definitely a big part of their game plan was to, to throw to the running backs. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Graham finally got a touchdown with Rodgers. He only did that twice last year, so maybe look for that connection to kind of be more alive. Uh, and the other disappointing performance, I guess, on the Bears' side was Anthony Miller, also getting zero targets, zero catches, just like Allison kind of expected to be the number two receiver. So uh, I know he was dealing with an injury, so they definitely really wanted to ease him in and he didn't play that often. So that's something I think will be sort of rectified. And I kind of want to say the same thing for Allison, but it's a, that's a scary proposition. I know Allison was maybe the player I have in most leagues, so you know, I'm uh, I'm struggling, and I, I really don't want to play him next week at all. What do you what do you Kyle. think about this game? Oh, calm down. The Packers won. I get it. You don't have to go give me an in-depth analysis. Give me the highlights. Here are the highlights, and here are the highlights. Rodgers, two, 203 yards, one touchdown, went 18 for 30. Mitch Trubisky, 26 of 45, 228 yards, one interception. Look, breaking that down right there. Mitch did shitty. Let's call it, let's call it spade a spade. He did shitty. He blew wide open receivers. Mm-hmm. He blew, you know, it, it was terrible. It really was. It was watching a horror show. Even their own fans were booing Mitch Trubisky. Constantly. But the, constantly. But here's the thing. You guys didn't play in the preseason. They didn't play in the preseason. I mean, you you put your starters out there expecting everything to be gelled already, but it's not. You need to work into it. So you you gelled right there, you know, come into, what, third quarter before you finally got some magic going? Um, I mean, you, you scored in second, but still, I mean. And then look at your run game. You had Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Jamal Williams, and Marcus Galdis, uh scanley Honestly, uh, it, it worries me with Jones because you look at running back by committee, and that's what it's starting to lean towards. Granted, he got the most target shares. He went, he touched the ball 23 times. Um, Jamal Williams, I mean, not 23 times. He got 13 times. Jamal Williams got... 25 times, Marcus got it once, but that was on a jet sweep. Aaron Rodgers got it, you know, he ran three times. That's 22 carries right there total for 47 yards. That's not a very good stat line, especially with two two running backs on there. And you're having your QB run. It's like watching Brady run. That's It's not pretty. Well, I think Rodgers is more mobile than Brady, but again, yeah, he's, I don't... he's more mobile than Brady, but still, it's not pretty. I mean, you look, you're right. Like... It's not. You don't necessarily want to see that too often. No, especially not from a guy who could flick a wrist and throw it 60 yards. <laughs> and then you look at the Chicago run side. Mike Davis from Seattle, beautiful day. Five carries, 19 yards. He averaged about 3.8, but he did better. But n- no Bears uh, running back got more than eight yards. Mike did it at eight. No one else got more than eight. Same for you guys. Longest you guys had was ten, and that was by Rogers. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean that's by Rogers, and he had three carries for eight yards, and his longest was ten. So that tells you, you know, he got bumped back a little bit in some yardage. But Mike Davis, and the biggest disappointment, David Montgomery, he was a disappointment. Six carries, eighteen yards. That's three yards per attempt. I mean, come on, man. 
you know, Especially I knew against this Packers run defense that was expected to not be so, at least by me, the linebacking core and losing a guy like Mike Daniels, who was so key to run stopping. I definitely yeah, expected yeah. more production. Yeah, but you had more OBs like Preston Smith and. Yep. Uh, That's why I figured the pass rush would be good. Darius. It was. The pass rush was great. I mean, Trubisky, to his credit, I know Trubisky did pad, and you mentioned he missed some open reads, but he also made some good plays. There were some throws that were deadly accurate. Uh, he just, it's the mental side of the game. It, it's a bit like Jameis Winston, right? All the the physical ability in the world, but the, still all, pr- to process all the information, it's not all quite there. And, I mean, let's give Trubisky some credit. I mean, he's only in his third year, and he really didn't play much in college. I think he had nine career starts. So this is not uh, a guy that has a ton of experience. But I agree, he, there were some bad moments, some really bad moments uh, that were... They picked Mitch The Bears pit, moved up the spot to pit, pick Mitch Trubisky over... Patrick Mahomes and, and Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Kaiser and Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of badness going on here. There's a few Raiders but, quarterbacks in that draft. I think Peterman's in that draft too. Oh, the goat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but all right, so running back situation, it was shit. Okay, but receiving situation that was interesting. Like you were talking about with Devontae Adams. You know, supposed to be your lead back. He got four. He hauled in four for 36 yards, no touchdowns. He got targeted half. You know, he got targeted eight times, so he hauled in half. That's a little bit scary since a guy who is considered wide receiver one, possibly going as wide receiver one in most drafts behind the top running backs or even 101 in some cases, depending on who you are. He got overshadowed by Marcus valdez Scanley, who, by all indications, was going to be wide receiver three. So... Red flags, a lot of red flags. Um, granted, it is whoever gets the hot hand, and Marquez had the hot hand. Um, had less targets, but had the same number of receptions and went longer. So, a uh, little bit of red flag. Jimmy Graham, three for six, uh, 30 yards. Had that basketball player goaltending jump up, grab the ball, come in, touchdown. That was beautiful. I was rooting for him all the way. And then you have... Trevor Davis, no name. Robert Tanyan, no name. Jamal Williams, two for two, 15 yards. And then Mercedes Lewis, I don't know where he came from. Mercedes Lewis, what? Yeah, we had him last year. I mean, here's the thing. I know, I know you guys had him last year, but like, you, everyone knows Jimmy Graham, but everyone like is forgetting about Mercedes Lewis. Like, what? Here's the thing. Lewis last year pretty much exclusively blocked. He, I think he had four targets all of last season. He had three in this game. Um, one thing I noticed, the Packers ran two tight end sets, uh, not quite at first. At first, they were, they were they liked their 11 personnel, having their three wide receivers out there. But then suddenly, once they realized the protection issues, they just needed to constantly have two tight ends in there, even if they weren't always going to block, which, let's face it, anytime, anytime Jimmy, I mean, on a run play, they had Jimmy Graham trying to block <laughs> Khalil Mack. Like, <laughs> that was, a, I think that was one of the Aaron Jones, like, stuffs for zero yards or maybe one yard. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it, that was not pretty at all. So, uh, breaking down your wide receiver group or your receiving core, I should just say, since it's got everyone. Um, longest, 47 yards by Marcus valdez Scantley. He's definitely getting a bump up over Jerome Allison, who had no targets, wasn't even looked. He didn't yeah. get a whiff of the chocolate factory at all. <laughs> um, again, 18 receptions, 203 yards. You guys average about 11.3 yards, so that's a big plus. Um, especially since you got to get 10 yards to get to uh, the next downs. 47 was your longest, and you had 20 targets. Looking at the Chicago side, 
Allen Robinson was their leader. He had a day. 7 of 13, 102 yards was his longest being 27. Take that all day. He got targeted. In PPR setting, he caught the ball. That's reception. So you're looking at 14, if it's we're doing two points per reception, 14 for just catching the damn ball. Who does Plus two a- points per reception? I've never mm-hmm. heard of that. Who does two points per reception? I've never heard of that. Me and my crazy leagues. I have a work league now. Okay, well let's let's well let's talk one point per reception. That's where all right, all right, fine, conventional. Whatever. It's still one point. That's still seven points right there that you just got right off the bat. Plus the ten Plus, points from the yard. Yeah, it's seventeen points. Yeah, it's a. The, he had he had a nice day. You know, would be better if he had a touchdown. But and then next up, Tariq Cohen. You know. He's been more of a wide receiver versus running back, but yeah. we'll worry about that eligibility later on in the season. He, he didn't. He, he didn't even have a carry, right? Like he had ten. No, he didn't, he didn't even have a carry. They used him exclusively in. I mean, he lined up in the backfield a couple of times, but he exclusively was a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, we'll worry about that eligibility later on. Um, Dave Montgomery did better in the passing than the running. He had more. He had one catch for one target, twenty-seven yards. It was a beauty too. It wasn't. It went, and that it wasn't was. a screen pass down like like that. Would just he took it upfield. No, he was he went downfield and caught that ball, and he had to make a good adjustment on it. And wasn't uh, that the toe tap at the sideline that he caught right there when he went with that? Uh, I don't know if it was quite a sideline. I know it wasn't quite over the middle either. Uh, I think more to do with it is that you know the ball was the ball was perfectly placed, but it still was one of those we had to kind of go up, get it on his back shoulder, and and make a good hey, adjustment. He still he still hauled it. It was pretty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was beauty. Uh, gives me confidence. I think. Again, I think that this game was strange. I don't expect Chicago to only score three points per game. So I also expect David Montgomery's usage to go up and and be on the field a lot more. No, no. So I mean, the, the your receiving core and the Chicago receiving core, it's a mixed bag. You know, the receptions are there, the targets are there, the yardage is there. They had less yards. Only they average eight point eight yards per. Um, reception so uh you gotta get the 10 to keep the chains moving you feel me so it's a mixed bag on both sides there's a lot of rust in that in this game so that was a uh, not pretty overall the thing that got me was the defense holy shit sacks let's see blake martinez kevin king preston smith had 1.5 kenny clark had the point five so darius smith had one five sacks for your packers yeah. I mean, if, if only the Bears didn't get seven sacks themselves, it would have looked better. No, they didn't get seven sacks. They got five. They got five as well? Okay. I thought yeah. for some reason they Le- had more. Leonard, Leonard Floyd had two sacks. Robert Roy Robertson Harris had one sack. Hakeem and Aaron Lynch both had sacks. Okay. it just it, I guess it just seemed like a QB hits they had seven. That's what I was counting. But then the Packers had way more too. Um, I was actually super impressed with Leonard Floyd. He beat David Bottiardi one, one-on-one like that. Beat him bad. That's... Um, that, that's huge if you could beat David Bakhtiari. Well, for all, uh, for everything good Khalil Mack did, when, you know, at first when when they were playing him, they had him more towards the interior, so he ended up getting blocked by guards. Like, they had one time they had Billy Turner trying to guard him, and that didn't work. Uh, but then whenever they had, uh, they shifted the line to have a, a, a tackle actually guard Mack, whether it was Bakhtiari or, or even Bulaga on the right side, um, he didn't touch Rodgers. I mean, a couple times Bulaga walked him past which is sometimes that's all you can do with Mac, but Bati already really had his way with Mac, and it was really Leonard Floyd that seemed to get the better better of him. So that was that was kind of funny how that worked. Uh, Kyle, to your clarification, they had seven hits on mm-hmm. um, Rodgers. 
Yeah, well, not seven sacks. That's five, where ten. I got confused. Yeah. Well, you yeah, guys yeah. had eleven hits. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, cons- I mean, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, even Adrian Amos with the interception. All the free agents ads the Packers made were were pretty key, and which doesn't always happen. I mean, we've seen some right. years teams spend up, and it just doesn't come to fruition. Uh, well, we're going to talk about you know team spending in a little while, but um, Adrian Amos got the interception that definitely helped you guys out with the points. Um, as far as kicking units goes, uh, Chicago, whew, they were so happy when they uh, <laughs> when the field goal was made, oh the God. point after was made. The, the stadium, you thought you would have thought they were winning with how crowd that like they had won the game. Like how loud that crowd was cheering when that field goal was made. You, oh my god! If you were literally the only bright spot, that though, you messed up. That was great. Uh, anyway, let's get to something you've already referenced. We can talk about the the next game: the Titans beating the Browns forty-three to thirteen. You talked about the big day for Derrick Henry: nineteen oh, carries, scary. nineteen carries, and two targets. Uh, Dion Lewis got some work, four targets, and only three carries. So doesn't seem like he's a big part of the offense. Uh, you know, two two yards a catch and two point three yards a run. So he he really didn't have that great of a day. It, it seems like this team going forward is going to be all about Derrick Henry. And we look at running backs on the other side. I mean, Nick Chubb got seventeen carries, but it's Dontrell Hilliard that got the red zone carry. A carry I think was inside the it was on the four yard line. So and isn't uh, Dontrell Hilliard like a third stringer? I mean, well, he will he'll be the third string when Hunt's back. But I think he's the he's the main backup. I mean, they had him last year. They had him on the practice squad. I know he. I don't know if he returned in this game. I know that's part of his role as well. That was expected. Oh, yeah, he had a punt return. Go over 18 yeah. yards, so decent. And uh, three kick returns for a total of 80 yards. That's a big part of his game. Uh, but really, I'm looking at both these teams, and Henry and Chubb are probably going to get the majority of the backfield work. Unless uh, you're Ryan Tannehill, who ran it two times for negative two yards. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't look. I, I think that was that, that was probably two kneel downs, to be honest, at the end of the game. when I hope were so. Either way, uh, uh, I don't really see much into Tannehill. I mean, if, if Mariota keeps winning games, he's going to be the quarterback there. I don't see that they're going to go go away from him after a win. I mean, honestly, uh, this is more like a black horse game because a lot of things went right. Um, you know, look at let's start with Baker Mayfield, twenty-five for thirty-eight, two hundred eighty-five yards. That's I'm going to win the game uh, kind of numbers right there. One touchdown, three interceptions. <laughs> that's, that's not. I'm going to win the game. <laughs> that's not going to win the game. His QBR was twenty-seven point two. Twenty-seven point two. That's out of hundred percent, right? Like hundred fifty-three. No, that would be the rating RTG next to it. Sixty-four. Oh, uh, yeah. No, he's sixty-four. QB, they measure QBR goes from zero to hundred. It's uh, weird. Okay. Well, it's, it it makes more sense, but both those both those stats are really weird and confusing to me. So I try not to get too too much. Well, anyways, QBR is twenty-seven point two, rating sixty-four. Flip side of that, Mariota fourteen for twenty-four, two hundred forty-eight yards, which is less. Ten point three average, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Fifty point three QBR, a hundred and thirty-three point three rating. And that's where it doesn't make sense to me because one hundred and thirty-three, it's close to one hundred and fifty. You figure that's more than half, right? Like if a QBR well, is Lamar Jackson got one hundred fifty-eight point three, which is a perfect rating apparently. I'm so, so I, I know I'm just looking at this. Like the QBR to me seems like it should be higher because one thirty-three isn't that far off of one fifty-three, right? So not not it's not definitely not half. So yeah, I yeah, I've always been confused by how they calculate either of those things. So it uh, also so, doesn't so really impact fantasy too much. No, so um, let's leave those alone. But um, 
Yeah, Baker Mayfield should have won the game with these kind of numbers, but the touchdowns and interceptions, and it's I think it's more of a right place, right time. If you look at the highlights, it was so pretty. You know, knocked the ball away. There's a guy right behind him who just, oh hey, I got the ball. Thank you. Malcolm Butler, Kevin Byer, Logan Ryan, they all snagged up three. One actually took it back to the house. That'll be Malcolm Butler. I mean, it was right place, right time. And I'm not going to knock on the Titans defense because it could be very well that the defense is better and Baker Mayfield is, is you know, you know, coming off his regression of last year. But here's one thing for sure. The hype is gone. People are now like, oh, no, we suck again because <laughs> – um, the Browns, they just brought it back down to reality. And well, looking at these stats, it's reality. Here's the thing. The, the dichotomy with the Browns is for years, they had a great offensive line. You had Joe Thomas there, but you didn't have a team around it to do anything. They finally have the quarterback, the receivers, good defensive pieces. Their O-line is trash. And, I mean, yep. it, it was – to be fair, they had their their starting left tackle ejected from the game like – in the first half at some point. So pretty it, sure their uh, backup left tackle got broken, you know, broken yeah. off. Yeah, like, yeah, Justin Justin McCray, who was on the Packers in training camp and had been a backup offensive lineman, but an interior offensive lineman. At you know, the second half he was playing right tackle, which you don't really want Justin McCray playing right tackle. Great run blocker. I love Justin McCray. I'm sad the Packers got rid of him, but that guy should not be your right tackle. So that that's there's there's definite issues there that uh, kind of need to be addressed, I think, but it's going to be tough to address them without adding pieces. So it's uh, maybe a little bit of concern. I mean, good news for Beckham, though. It seemed to have instant chemistry with Baker. Seven catches, 71 yards, 11 targets. So he definitely was not afraid to target him. And, I mean, out of uh, the 38 attempts, 18 of those targets went to either Beckham or Landry. I looked at the snap counts. They were both on the field 100% of the time. Uh, it's clearly those two at the top. Receiving-wise, it's a little trickier for Tennessee. I mean, you had A.J. Brown, the rookie, lead the team in, in yards with 100 yards. Uh, and then Derrick Henry was second because of that 75-yard screen pass. Uh, but real big news, Delaney Walker looked great. I mean, he, he didn't play that much. I was looking at the snap counts, and actually both Jonu Smith and I think the third-string the third string, uh, tight end both outsnapped him. Uh, so, you know, they're in terms of playing time, they're easing Walker in. But whenever Walker was on the field, I mean, he led the team in targets. He had six targets on only – he only played 29 offensive snaps. So, you know, clearly showing that Mariota loves Walker. And we, we talk about guys with zero targets. We talked about last game with Allison. Corey Davis, zero targets. Someone was saying that his best play of the game was a block on, on Henry's screen pass. So that's uh, – that, and I'm honestly even more concerned there than I am with Allison. I think Allison, they, you know, they ran into a really tough defense and it caused all their plans to change. Whereas Tennessee, they, this, this game went exactly according to plan. Like they, they won big and Corey Davis didn't even get a target. So that's incredibly concerning for Davis. I think borderline droppable even with all his talent. I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think people should hang on to Corey Davis? No. I know in Gavin Frick's uh, article that was released today, the ad drop, Davis was one of his drops. So, uh, anyway, unless there's any other comments about the game, I want to move on to Ravens-Dolphins. Not that we really have to linger there too long. No, the only thing I want to say about this game is that OBJ did play through a hip injury with, yep. uh, like, a $325,000 watch. I know I'm saying five. It doesn't um, seem safe. It does not. Um, but he did play through the game, so... I, I feel like it was because he was a little bit sluggish, but he did catch seven of his 11 targets. 
um, for 71 yards, which is averaging about 10.1 yards, which will move the chains all the time. Problem is, it doesn't move the chains when you get interceptions. So, um, OBJ, I if I had to make my if I had to go back to my list, I would probably move him down a little bit on my list. Um, he's not looking too good, man. I mean, until I mean, until he, again, he gets healthy he and recovers. Play, he did play 100% of the snaps, so I don't seem too concerned did. with his, his health either. But uh, you're, you're right. If the offensive line doesn't improve, and again, if their left tackle plays the entire game, I would assume it, it'll probably be a bit better. But let, let's give the Tennessee uh, defensive line credit. They were constantly in, in Baker's face. Like, he had no time. It kind of looked like what the Packers were doing to Trubisky. So in both cases... It's tough to blame the quarterbacks when you don't get good production. Um, but know, again, it, it's, it's also a worry that if that keeps going, then they may never produce. Uh, yeah, so let's, let's talk so, about the so Ravens-Dolphins game. Let's, let's, do this, let's do this about as quick as this game was competitive. They won. <laughs> <laughs> they game won. Uh, Lamar was really good running back slash throwing back. RG3 oh got the... RG three got to play a little bit. Josh Rosen, hell, got to play. He went one for <laughs> three for five yards. That's... That, that, that's he even managed up, to throw an interception on the three attempts. He, he still managed to throw an interception. Yeah, that, that's showing them, buddy. Showing how all those ten teams made a mistake trying to draft you. Um, Lamar really didn't run. It was more of a thrown game. But then again, when the Miami Dolphins defense is that bad that you could just throw it up, and you know you probably would get a receiver somewhere. I mean, that's pretty good. Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, they had hell of a day. God bless them, Hollywood Brown. Would not recommend them. Uh, that was this is kind of a boomer bust day because it is Miami. Now we're going to come back to real Earth, so we'll see a real value for all these guys. Um, so take them if you want. I would not take them. Um, well, I think Andrews is definitely worthy of being a tight end, and I'm I'm not going to be surprised at all if he's a, he finishes as a tight end one this year. I know I I had him ranked accordingly he, preseason. He won? T- tight end one, yeah, he can definitely finish as a top twelve tight end. Above Kelsey, above her. No, no, I'm talking. Middle. No, I'm talking like as a tight a tight end one, like among the top twelve tight ends this season, worthy of being a, a starter, a tight end. That's what I mean. Oh, oh, t- oh, a tier one tight end. Well, not even tier one. Just as the you know whatever your league st- scoring is. If you're a ten team league, I think he'll finish as a top ten tight end or twelve team. It's top twelve, but you know, he'll finish. He'll finish, I think, as an every week starter and. Yeah, he might not uh, go eight, catch that. all eight targets for 108 yards and a touchdown every week, but um, he did also lead the team in red zone targets, which was two. Um, they were surprisingly in the red zone a lot, but again, that's when you're going up and down the field. I think the big takeaway is Marquise Brown looks healthy. He had five targets, and he played 12 snaps. So the other takeaway is that Mark, Mark Ingram still got them angry runs. Oh, yeah. He oh, yeah. Even though, I mean, Gus Edwards had more carries than him, but, uh, you know, Ingram had 7.6 yards per carry and Edwards 3.3. And I know Edwards got a lot of red zone looks, but so did Ingram. So I think, yeah. And Ingram uh, got the touchdowns. I mean, um, your boy, Justice Hill, seven, he got carries seven times, 27 yards. He got to show off a little bit. Longest 13 runs. So, I mean,. It's it's not bad. I mean, um, the, but looking at Miami rushing because we always looked at Miami. Brian Fitzpatrick ran better than Kalen Ballage, Ballage, whatever. Yeah, you want to call that him. looked that looked bad. It, it, Five you know, rushes got, and one negative yard. What? I've got more Kenyon Drake shares. Not that he did that great, four for twelve. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely gives hope that Drake will be more involved and that Ballage is really 
not the I more mean, talented running back. I mean, obviously, you're not going to go for Miami wide receiver, but the, I think if you're going to Parker did pretty good. I will well, say that. I, I think it's Preston Williams. I mean, he he. So Miami only ran two plays in the red zone. Both of them were targets to Williams, and he scored on the second one. So. I, I think he's going to be their, their top guy, and he's eventually going to take over. Because, I mean, yeah, Parker got seven targets, but only, only caught three of them, including – and one of those was for 49 yards. So then you take that away, it was two catches for 25 yards, which I guess that's still pretty good in terms of an average. But, uh, yeah, it definitely doesn't instill a lot of confidence in any Miami players. No, no, um, no. Not, not when you get a shellacking like that. It's not real pretty. I mean, obviously we don't talk about the defense, sacks – uh, touchdown returns. I mean, Earl Thomas. Hey, Earl Thomas. He got himself an INT, 14 yards. Um, yeah, I don't think we have to uh, go much further than that. So, what do you want to go to now? You want to talk about Let's the talk about the Vikings and Falcons game? And my my big takeaway is Dalvin Cook looks amazing. And uh, oh my God, does he? Now finally healthy, and he just. It was the game script that Miami wanted, right? They only threw the ball, t- or sorry, Miami, Minnesota wanted. <laughs> Definitely wasn't the game script Miami wanted in their game. Uh, Minnesota only threw the ball 10 times, and Cousins was efficient, 8 for 10, 98 yards. Two with touchdowns, got, ran in a touchdown. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely all about the run game for Minnesota, which kind of makes it scary to trust their receivers. Well, no, uh, it's it's kind of makes it scary to uh... – uh, trust the running backs. No, and when I say that, I mean Dalvin Cook carried the ball 21 times. That's a hell of a lot for a guy who, you know, what was it? Not even a season ago was dealing with an ACL injury. I mean, uh, granted, they're trying to work him out, and make sure that he is ready, fully back. But using that, him that much, that's a little bit mm-hmm. scary for me. So, I mean, I mean, Madison did get nine carries, which again talks about how much they ran the ball. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, on the other side of the ball, again, game script kind of made it so that Atlanta couldn't really run that much, but Freeman really struggled. I thought, and I, and again, I going into this matchup, I knew it wasn't the greatest matchup. Um, oh, no. I felt that he would do a little bit better, but yeah, he fumbled 2.4 yards per carry. Edo Smith, he statistically looked better. I didn't really watch much of that game, though, so I don't know if he actually looked better or just happened no, to be it was, it was later more, in the game. The defense wasn't, you know... The defense was more protecting the big points and the big the big passes to not give up a, a lead and then kind of you know leave more of a cushion underneath for running backs to kind of succeed. Well, here's the thing: he he had six carries for 31 yards. His longest was 16 yards. So if you take that away, one carry, you got five yards for 15, five carries for 15 yards. So he, uh, he, looking he at the way, so. Yeah, it's gonna. We'll see if that continues. If because they they split snaps evenly, fifty fifty between Freeman and Smith. So we'll yeah. see if that continues next game. If it just happened to be, you know, Freeman was maybe getting a little punished for fumbling. Uh, Julio Jones didn't play all that much, and as the game turned into a blowout, it makes sense. He was kind of dealing with uh, I think it was a foot issue, so wanted to protect him. But even even though he was third on the uh, among wide receivers in snaps, he still led the team in targets with eleven. He also had Xavier Rhodes on him, so it was really tough. You kind of understand that he would only get 31 yards in a touchdown, which kind of salvaged his fantasy day. It would have been completely horrible if he didn't find the end zone. Calvin Ridley looked really good, though. And and, and the Minnesota defense sacking um, Matt Ryan four times. That's not bad. Plus, yeah, they got interceptions off of him. Concerns about that O-line, but it also is a really good defense for Minnesota. They definitely look like they're 
know, this this was the formula again to win. They only threw the ball ten times. I mean, what am I? What I flash back to like the seventies or something. Mm. Um, <laughs> Ruby, man. And Sanu played a lot. I mean, I, I he actually had the most snaps out of wide receivers, but only six targets, which I guess that was the amount Ridley got. Uh, Cooper, nine for nine, 77 yards. Apparently, it's a good day for tight ends. Which, again, you know, considering the corners that Minnesota has, you you would exploit them through the tight end. So I don't. I also don't expect Austin Hooper to have big days like this where he is second on the team in targets. I think that's just the matchup for this particular game of, of how that lined up. Yeah, and then you got go you go down Julio and backup wide receivers, a uh, couple of running backs. De- Devontae Freeman had a better uh, catching day than a running day. I mean, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it's the same thing with uh, Minnesota's receiving. You got Adam Thielen at the top with three for forty three, longest yeah. twenty three, and then Diggs. Then you got Chad Beebe, which everyone's been high on. Uh, Dalvin Cook even got involved in the passing game, which gives me a little bit of hope. Granted, it's two for two with only nine yards, but it tells me that he could be a dual back running back. So that I'm a little bit high on that. And Rudolph got shut out. I mean, he he got targeted once, but after, he didn't catch anything. So uh, even though he played a hundred percent of the snaps, which again talks scary. about how much again, they ran a lot of two tight end sets, and it was just they were there to block because they ran so much. So again, you know, if Minnesota's up every game, this is how it's going to be. But I don't necessarily. I mean, they play the Packers next week, who they have a better offensive line than, than Atlanta. So I don't know if they'll they'll probably still struggle to protect, but not nearly as much as Atlanta did. So uh, that may not be as run heavy of a of a contest. And Aaron Rodgers is certainly better under pressure than Matt Ryan is. Matt Ryan is one of his biggest weaknesses. When he gets perfect pressure, he's great. Or perfect protection, he's great. But under pressure, he he struggles. Oh, big so, time. So well, that'll be it'll be important to kind of see that attack defensive matchups do you think they the falcons can get good protection and not avoid it but I, I don't necessarily know that matt ryan's an automatic start every week i know some people drafted him to be that uh brayden holseek our chief's managing editor he before the sunday games he asked me a couple sit start questions one of them was lamar jackson versus matt ryan and i told him go if you have the option go with lamar jackson because of the matchup i still expected ryan to do well and i think he finished with 18 fantasy points so even though it was a horrible day optically uh, you know they, they scored enough in garbage time to make it work but i, I know Braden was definitely happy that i, I told him that um but i'm I mean, moving on all right let, let's go to the kansas city chiefs jacksonville game i mean it's not sure. much there but there is some very important fantasy relevance going on in that game well there's one big piece of news to take out of that game actually two technically Ooh, two if you play super flex two if you play super flex uh but yeah let's start you tyree kill um appears to have injured his collarbone in some way now there's been conflicting reports on what that was uh, some are saying it was a dislocation, uh, or that it, there was a separation between the bone and and, and some uh, muscle. So either way, Hill's going to be out for an extended period. It doesn't sound like it's season ending. No, they, it doesn't. They're literally going to avoid the IR. But I could um, see I could see him being out for. You know, they're maybe saying a month, that minimum maybe four to six weeks. Yeah, they're saying minimum. Might be might be end of October before we see him again. So. Uh, life behind, behind, you know, beyond Hill is going to continue for the the Chiefs, and really, Patrick Mahomes seemed to have it regardless. I mean, Hill went out pretty early in that game. Uh, and he still managed to throw 378 yards on 25 completions. So, I mean, <laughs> I think he did pretty all right. Yeah, and I mean, big, the big, the big winner was Sammy Watkins: 11 targets, nine catches, 198 yards, and three touchdowns. 
That's ridiculous. He was the weapon that Patrick Mahomes needed, and he's, you know, if you look at his contract, that's kind of what Kansas City was expecting him to be, and he's healthy. Um, I had him in one league, and I didn't play him. <laughs> so uh, that's that's not a mistake I'm making again. He's definitely in the lineup, every, especially now that Hill's out, uh, every week starter. I think Watkins becomes, uh, the, he kind of gets that status. Uh, Kelsey, three catches for 80 yards, which looks all right, but he has eight targets, and uh, he... He was the... being shadowed heavily, so... Yeah, and I figured, you know, you figured the, the corners are so well there that tight end would be the way to exploit it. The thing with Kelsey was he tied for the lead league in red zone targets this week. He, got, he had four red zone targets, didn't catch a single one of them. All his three of his catches came outside the red zone, which explains why he doesn't have a touchdown. Uh, in terms yeah, of red zone usage... In terms of red zone usage, Damian Williams seemed to be the guy in the red zone for, for Kansas City. Uh, he had, I think it was it was four, four red zone carries, three red zone targets, one carry inside the five. McCoy only had one red zone carry for, you know, to kind of get, give you that. Uh, and snapped, I mean, he, Williams out-snapped him, I think it was more than double. And he had 46 snaps to 20 snaps for McCoy. So that's where things are... You know, McCoy played a lot less, but he also, whenever he was on the field, he usually got the ball, whereas Williams was a lot of times maybe not a decoy, but sometimes pass pro. Uh, so, it, unfortunately, I get the feeling that Williams' usage is going to decrease as the season goes on, but you should still probably feel free to play him in the early going anyway. And, you know, if the Chiefs are up early, big enough, there should be enough rushing attempts for both guys to to produce. Um, but yeah, it's McCoy's going to start getting, I think, start getting consideration for, for starting in fantasy. Maybe not next week quite, but as he gets more comfortable with the offense and as he starts out-snapping Damian Williams, I expect that to happen. Maybe it won't, but I, I, what do you think? Do you think eventually McCoy is going to overtake Williams, or do you think what we saw in this game in terms of usage is going to be how the Chiefs move forward? I think it's how it's going to be moving forward. I mean, it's going to be a little, it's looking a lot like a uh, run back by committee be honest with you. I mean, Damian Williams had it, it was the biggest contributor, and LaShawn McCoy did help out a little bit, but it's a split even. I mean, 10 carries on 81 yards. His long Which is a crazy up. average. 8.1 yards per carry. That's crazy for McCoy, so it shows that he's efficient. Well, he did have that one 31 long breakout yards. Yeah. You take that away, you got nine carries on... 50 yards, which is still over five yards a carry, so that's that's still pretty good, I think. I mean, Williams at two yards a carry, so which again, he had red zone carries and he did score a touchdown. I think it was a one yard touchdown, so obviously that's going to skew things. If you get enough red zone carries, your average isn't going to be the the highest because you get in the end zone, there's suddenly no further yards to go. Exactly. So I mean, you got to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, granted, that is very nice. It's nice to have you know that kind of guy who gets you the yardage, but 13 carries, uh, 10 carries. It's looking a lot like running back by committee, but Damian Williams is leading that committee because he got the more target love, um, even though Sean McCoy seems to be the one that they're going to use down the stretch, and Damian Williams is going to be one in the red zone. So that that worries me. It could mean Damian Williams is going to be a boomer bust, tight end, a touchdown boomer bust, um, unless they get him more involved in passing game. Obviously, they did. Six receptions off of six uh, targets, 16, uh, 39 yards, uh, 6.5. That's not bad. But um, 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be looking like running back by committee, which is not bueno. Mm-hmm. So let's get on the other piece of news. Uh, talking about collarbone again. It's funny that that's what, not really funny, but kind of no, tragic. No, that's what this game funny. ended up being. Uh, Nick Foles appeared to fracture his collarbone, and yeah, he's expected to be a, miss a big chunk of the season. Uh, now, in his place, rookie sixth round rookie Gardner Minshew actually looked pretty comfortable. And uh, twenty two twenty five is yeah. two seventy five. He was carving up that defense. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he granted he did have an interception, which I'm pretty sure was one of his early ones. But after that, he had two touchdowns, and he had a QBR of seventy nine point seven. Rating of one two two five. I mean, RG three had did less and had a higher rating. Again, don't understand how this goes, but if you're going off of this, which most analysts do, that's pretty good. I mean, for a kid who just got thrown in there in a yeah. very tough matchup with a uh, very shaky receiver core, but I mean, with the receiver core, four touches for 146 yards by DJ Chark. What? Yeah, deep threat for sure. <laughs> Deep threat for sure, and there was a big, I think the 69-yarder, that was a Foles pass. But oh, still, yeah. it seemed like he, Conley, and Westbrook all kind of had some chemistry with Minshew, so that's that's a good sign. And then Leonard Fournette, you know, trying to make something of himself, 13 carries, 66 yards. His longest was 14, so take that away. You're looking at 52 yards and 12 carries. It's not too bad, you know. It's not, it's not um, enough for him to... Uh, wouldn't be four yards to carry, but it's, but it's still. It, it's still, I mean, it's not enough to be the dominant back that we all think that he can be. But, you know, uh, with Minshew out and also with this team, Dobbs, Josh Dobbs from the Pittsburgh Steelers is coming to this team. Yeah, that's uh, true. So they traded a fifth-round pick? Sixth-round. Sixth-round pick, which I guess is the that's the investment they put in Minshew, right? So... Um, I would expect uh, Gardner Minshew to get most of the starts through the year. I mean, he would have to play really bad for them to turn to Dobbs, right? Because Minshew knows the Minshew knows the, the system. He's been there all off season. Uh, they tabbed him. I know, to but be Dobbs their... is more of an established quarterback behind Big Ben. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's it, it's definitely going to be interesting going forward. I would it say does. it's interesting going forward. I, I, yeah, it's definitely Minshew for the next. For the foreseeable future. Again, if he falls on his face, they'll they'll explore their options with Dobbs, especially early in the year when they may have still the chance at the playoffs. But like you mentioned, Chiefs were thinking at running back committee with the Jacksonville. It's the opposite. Fournette, Mike Armstead had one carry, one target. So <clears throat> it's I mean, not as if the rookie's gonna come in. The only the only thing I'm concerned with Fournette is that they didn't run the ball in the red zone at all. Uh, they only had four red zone plays, and all four were passes. And that's something that in the past they had, you know, they would run Fournette on all four plays if they're inside the 10. So that's maybe where it gets concerning. Uh, they were also down big, though. They, this is, you know, the Chiefs offense, right? They're not going to face the Chiefs offense every week. So I expect Fournette to get even more work when they don't play such high-powered offenses, which I guess can describe these next two games. Uh, sorry. Hold on, hold on. Before we get to that, I just want to say one thing. Left Fournette yeah. didn't get all of the four carries like we thought he would. Which, again, again, like you said, it's against the Chiefs. We're not expecting much. We're not expecting, you know, him to move heaven and earth. But he, but the fact that they didn't trust him enough early in the game when they actually had a chance says a lot. Plus, he fumbled the ball, and he lost it. He, it's not like he recovered it. So that, that that's huge. 
in terms of you know the the grand scheme of things. So I, I would be to to speak against that though. He didn't get punished by that. Like they still kept giving them the football, and he didn't. It's not like Reichel Armstead came in and had a bunch of carries either. They, again, they couldn't really afford to run that much either way. No, but they could. I, if if Fournette fumbles every game, yeah, that's a concern. But uh, it's we'll uh, see because it's not necessarily something he's done often in his career. I don't think. No, no, no. Uh, now let's get to a game. We don't have to spend any, much time in this game because I know you, you're not going to want to, but the uh, Buffalo Bills beat the New York Jets 17-16. We already kind of referenced the kicking uh, problems. One thing I'm going to say, though, Le'Veon Bell looked good. He you know, did. The, the, the carries, the, the average doesn't look the greatest, 3.5. It's, it's all right, but considering that Bill's defensive line and how good that was, and and Bell really, I mean, nine targets. He was the second most targeted Jet. He, I think he's, and he, he was another player that played 100% of the snaps. He did. He played every single snap, which is huge because everyone said that we're going to work him into it, that he's going to start getting some love, that Tom Montgomery's going to be the main back going into it. No, he played 100% of the snaps. He took thing, And like you said, 17. he got 17 carries for 60 yards, averaging 3.5. But he kept playing. His longest was 12 yards. But he kept getting 10 yards, 9 yards. Mm-hmm. And he kept pounding the ball. He got stuffed a couple of times because my O-line is crap. So... You know, if the and but when they start swinging him out wide, ten yards, ten yards, nine yards. So he's getting those yardage. He's getting there. So, uh, you know, I, I like that, and it's definitely going to be interesting, and it's definitely going to be a good thing moving forward. And like, like I said, he got targeted nine times. That's a lot of you know screen passes. Um, you know, we had a couple of jet sweeps. We had a couple of things where we just. You know, threw it out to him. There's a lot of check down. So PPR, he was definitely in love. And he got that one touchdown pass and a two-point conversion, which also helps fancy points. So yep. in, the grand, in the grand scheme of it, it's it's really good. So I, I, I like that. It's not bad. Um, yeah, play Bell with confidence throughout the year, I think. This, this would have been the one game where we may have saw less usage. So if they're going to use him like this, so just, they're going to they're gonna use him heavy. It's oh, yeah, and it's definitely – it's definitely going to be a very good thing. And, you know, I know that I shouldn't spend too much time, but I need to because there is some fancy relevant things going on here. Um, there is. Yeah, go ahead. There is. Um, first off, um, um, Quinn Williams left the game with a uh, rolled ankle, so he won't be in the front line. And um, CJ Mosley has a groin. He's going for an MRI. Just make sure it's a nagging groin. So, um they may be out, which is which will affect the uh, the Jets defense. Who got 17 points in fantasy? They were mm-hmm. up as they were up as much as I think it was 24 last time I saw. But then Buffalo made their charge back, which cut into the thing as far as yardage and points allowed. So um, now, you can answer this for me. I know Mosley when he left the game, it was Buffalo had scored zero points, and was Williams the same thing? Did Williams leave, and then that's when Buffalo started scoring? No, uh, Mosley left, and all of a sudden they decided to start running the ball more with uh, Devin Singletary because mm-hmm. they were too scared of Mosley. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to run, run up the middle. That's true. Yeah, Singletary did start. I mean, he only got four carries, but uh, definitely looks he, like he's going to be the answer at running back for Buffalo. He is, and but, I mean, Frank Gore did have the most receptions. He was running it. Josh Allen ran 10 times to 38 yards, so... Um, the only reason why Devin Singletary actually got some, you know, good yards is because he broke out on that long one for 23 yep. yards. So, three carries, um, 47 yards. 
I wouldn't read too much into it, but he's definitely a very, very big look at. I mean, he had a hell of a fantasy day. So six um, targets as well. I mean, the average wasn't the greatest on that, but no, definitely showing. No. I mean, he. I, I don't. Frank Gordon see a target, so he was the only running back that actually was involved in the passing game. Uh, and, and Buffalo scored on big plays. They they only ran two play. They only ran one play inside the red zone. I think it was the least out of every team in week one, and it was a a Devin Singletary carry. Yeah, it was. Or they ran two because Josh Allen ran a play as well. I think that was it. Was the yeah? The it was the Josh ran. Allen run in for a touchdown play. Yeah, Singletary ran from the eighteen and he set them up at the three. So he had a big fifteen yard run right there. Uh, yeah, it was just big chunks with Singletary. Every time he was out there, it's gaining. Whereas Gore, he averaged one point eight yards, which <laughs> Gore is great, but that that's really not that good. And again, Jets great defensive line, and obviously good linebackers and Mosley's out there. So that. Uh, so I think going forward, it, it I expect Singletary to get a, a big bump in in production. He's the far more explosive option at this point. Oh, and, and the other side of that is the Buffalo defense is no joke. I mean, they oh, were no, definitely not. I mean, last year when we gave when we went to Buffalo, they they came to MetLife. They gave us that good shellac in forty five to ten, and then we went up to uh, Buffalo and we just you know repaid the love <laughs> um, and gave them a good shellac in. We didn't face Matt Milano either times. Matt Milano, he was a absolute monster. He just started wrecking my defense, coming out, blocking the ball, hitting the ball away, defending passes, and we weren't we weren't prepared for him. Plus, they added um, uh, what's his name, Ed Oliver, who broke yeah. through my O line a good number of times. He actually hit Josh Allen once, but never sacked him. So. Hey, so that that Buffalo defense is no joke. I mean, I'm not making excuses here for why the Jets blew a 16-point lead, but um, that Buffalo defense is no joke. So expect it to get better, especially with the they have to play. You know, the Giants this coming week. That's definitely a streaming defense. Um, the Jets play the Browns, so we're going to take that with uh, a scary sight. I mean, the Browns they go from a three and a half point favorite to the Jets being a five and a half point favorite. So. Don't know what? how this, this happened. Yeah, th- uh, some someone was posting about it. I'm not entirely sure that's entirely accurate, but someone posted about it saying how uh, the Browns were favorites. Now we're favorites to win after the game. Yeah, um, I guess I've, I haven't checked the spreads yet this week, so uh, well, that was part of my research tomorrow. Anyway, um, I want to get to the receivers and Jamison Crowder had a historic game. He first yeah. player in NFL history to catch 14 passes and go for under 100 yards. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for that. But still, 17 targets? I mean, that was... We know, we, 17 we targets, about and he hauled in 14 of them. There's your PPR points right there, ladies and gentlemen. 14 fucking points right there alone. It's only dirty from you to this episode. I, I, I know I know the Jets lost, and you're in that mood, but um, but like still with Crowder, though, we knew Sam Darnold loved the target slot receivers. We didn't. I don't think we knew this much though, like that it would be this extreme. And uh, again, Robbie Anderson was being covered by Trey Wayne's. Uh, Trey, uh, yeah, no, uh, not Trey Wayne's. Tre'Davious White. Sorry, Trey Wayne's. I'm thinking a Minnesota corner, the guy that you want to play against because he's not very good. Um, yeah, he was you know matched up against Tre'Davious White. So uh, I feel like that's part of the reason why. I mean, he still got seven targets still in in that, which was maybe more than I don't know I was expecting, especially considering he was coming off an injury. So do you think it's yeah. you think Robbie's a good play moving forward? He is. Um, the only thing going forward right now, no. Um, he is nursing a calf injury, so 
that's the reason why he was a little bit limited. I mean, other than that, Robbie usually beats out defenders. Sam just throws it up past it, and Robbie catches it on the run and goes in for a touchdown. And I do have to say this because I am one of my moods. Jets fans, stop giving up on Robbie. Please, stop giving up on Robbie and Q. They had a bad game against a very good defense. Quit your whining and get back into it. Let's go. Come on. Jet up. So. Okay. And let's not dwell too much on this game. I think the Buffalo receivers are, you know, John Brown, Cole Beasley look to be the top two guys. They seem to be the only fantasy relevant guys. Zay Zay Jones, once again, caught under 50% of his targets, which that's not going to stop as long as he plays on the outside. I, I, again, he really needs for for Zay Jones. He has to to prove to me that he can play NFL on the outside for me to to think that he can, because I, I I still see him as just a slot receiver who never plays in the slot. So to me, he's not worth anything in fantasy. But guys like John Brown and Cole Beasley, I think that they saw enough targets to pick them up. Anyway, let's get right. let's move past the Jets game. We'll give us some good memories. All uh, right. So, so let's go to the other, the other game that I have to report on, which is the Rams and the Panthers, which was the nail biter all the way to the end. Sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. Talk about um, that. You know, Jared Goff. He went two for thirty nine, hundred eighty six yards. Looked terrible. It looks like they're not over there uh, slacking with the um, the Super Bowl slacking. I mean, they they, they look terrible. They're defensive slow- lines. I mean, again, great defensive lines can really mess up a plan. I think that that's what the Panthers have. They have absolutely brutal secondary. But I mean, it doesn't matter if they get after the quarterback. Right? <laughs> they don't, your guys don't need to cover. So, oh, big time. I mean, they 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 were really good first quarter. They all got shut out. Then the Rams started moving the ball, starting getting love. Um, the biggest takeaway here, Todd Gurley, sell those shares by Malcolm Brown. Holy cow, Malcolm Brown had a day. I mean, granted, he only went 53 yards, but he had two touchdowns, which cancels out all of Gurley, what he had for 97 yards. Gurley was targeted once in the passing game. Malcolm wasn't targeted, but he was targeted once for four yards. So even still, Malcolm Brown, he got more PPR points. and well, uh, he got more uh, points than Todd Gurley. I mean, yeah, uh, and it was, it was all the fact that you're paying. The, I mean, part of the reason that Gurley was the number one running back the last two seasons was all the red zone work. Nineteen touchdowns, twenty-one touchdowns. Uh, the Rams ran the ball six times in the red zone. Malcolm Brown got five of those, and then Daryl Henderson got the other one. So, uh, I mean, they got those two combined for three carries inside the five. These are usually places where Gurley goes. So as much as Gurley, you should still play him every week, it's hard to think of him having that weak-winning upside as the RB1 overall if he's not getting red zone tar- touches. That's yeah, that's a really scary thing. I mean, he, and he only had one target, where uh, which, to be fair, was the only... I think that was the only target for running back. So uh, yeah. it's not... It, it seems like the Rams kind of passing to the running backs almost out of their plans uh, and, you know, favored a guy. Like, Tyler Higby got five targets. Uh, it was... Third, you know, fourth on the team in targets. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Woods and Cup, Cup. You know, I think the one thing to take away most from this is Cooper Cup looked healthy, and he looked he good. So that's a great sign for the Rams. I think uh, moving forward when they play, because that defensive line has a lot of talent on it. Um, so I, I think playing lesser defensive lines will help. Certainly, I mean, they have new pieces on that offensive line: a new center, a new guard. Uh, so things kind of. Well, yeah, take some time to they, jump. Won, they lost a good number. And the other thing there is um, Robert Woods still being a hot hand. 
You know, they have Brandon Cooks, they got Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, still the top three. But Robert Woods is the hot hand. He was targeted the most yeah. at the most reception. So consistency. Like He's one of the more consistent ones for, for them anyway. He's you know, certainly showed that last year. Uh, he ranked pretty highly in Bob Long's consistency guide from last season. So uh, yeah. looking at looking at the Panthers side, I mean Christian McCaffrey got nineteen of the team's twenty three carries, right? So it's Christian McCaffrey may arguably be the safest play in all of fantasy week in, week out. Uh, he had a, what, did he have a 200-scrimmage yard game here? He did, yeah. He did. Ten, ten touches, I mean, ten uh, receptions on 11 targets, 81 yards, plus 19 rushes for uh, 128 yards. Gives you a grand total of uh, 209. I mean, that that's that's golden right there. And two touchdowns, whew. Boy, yeah, hell of a day. Week. Yeah, he, he definitely gave you everything you wanted. Cam Newton, though, on the other hand, uh, isn't not really running well. I mean, three carries minus two yards. There may have been, I don't know, there wouldn't have been kneel downs. They were coming from behind. No, uh, no, his longest was three yards forward. Yeah, three yards forward, which means on the other two carries, they would have had to combine for minus five yards. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, Cam's fantasy value is tied to his ability to run usually. I mean, he didn't throw a touchdown pass. They didn't even throw in the red zone. They ran, I think, five or six times in the red zone, and that's it. And then McCaffrey kept scoring every time, so they didn't have to to pass the football in the red zone. But uh, I I don't know. Again, this is a tough defense. The Rams do have a great defense. So it, yeah, we, but, keep say, we keep saying that about a lot of teams. We realize there's a lot of great defenses in the league. So it's... Uh, well, defenses win your game. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. Well, but here's the, other thing about, here's the other thing about Cam. He's, if, again, with, with the rankings, he's sinking my rankings. Yeah, he started sinking it. Well, hey, when he got injured in the preseason, that sunk him for me because... Oh, yeah. yeah. His fantasy value is tied to his mobility and his ability as a runner uh, because he doesn't really put up the big touchdown pass games, and the Panthers don't seem to throw much in the red zone. So, yeah, it's going to be really tough to, to to trust Cam Newton as a week-in-week-out starter, kind of forget it and set it, right? It's really going to be matchup dependent. So, and, and here's uh, the other thing of that. He got intercepted, and he lost the fumble. So that that's huge. That's hugeness right there. Plus DJ Moore, for which everyone was hot-handed about DJ Moore. I even love DJ Moore. He lost the fumble. That hurts his values big time. It, it, it does. Minus two points. And he had a good game. Ten targets, seven catches, 76 yards. So he looked he good. Did. He, so he did it, look yeah, good. Yeah, it definitely does put a damper on the fantasy day when, you you know, if you're a PPR league, you're getting 14 points or 12 points with the fumble. It's, it, it does put a bit of a damper on it. Um, so, yeah, uh, moving on, we can talk about the Eagles and Washington. And surprisingly, Washington was up in this game. I, I don't know how. Everyone who picked the Eagles in survivor pools were freaking out. I know I almost picked them in. They uh, were up 20 to nothing before the Eagles finally scored in the second. I'm like, what? And then then, then, they, then the Eagles started coming back, and he started charging. I was like, yes. And then the Redskins scored again. I'm like, no. And then the Eagles scored again. I'm like, yes. And then they won. And... <laughs> Suddenly an Eagles fan over here. Uh, so no, big no, news. say that. Big, big news to take away from this is Darius Geis apparently uh, injured his knee. It's uh, not ACL torn knee. Is the other yeah. one? Yeah. Uh, rumors are it's his meniscus. Although that I don't I haven't seen official confirmation of that that that's the case. Uh, but still, that's gonna if you know if it's a meniscus tear. I know that's for some guys that's ended seasons. As if it's a you know if it's not a major tear, it's still gonna uh, take him out for. Uh, either way, Darius Geis is not gonna play for a little bit. So that's gonna. There's some more. breaking news. Oh. Uh, Antonio Brown is accused of three se- uh, separate sexual assaults and a rape cases, according to a federal prosecutor. To the, sorry, the who, which prosecutor? Where is this being done? 
Um, it I got uh, off the sleeper app. I get all the latest lays and grades and breaking news. It says breaking news: Antonio uh, wide receiver, Patriots wide receiver Antonio Brown accused of three separate incidents of sexual assault and rape, according to federal prosecutors, which was uh, filed a federal lawsuit Tuesday. So today. Apparently, it's a former trainer and her mom. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing this pop up now. Um, federal lawsuit. Okay, so federal lawsuit means it's not just in one state either. So this is. It could have been in Pittsburgh. It could have been while yeah. he was in there in Oakland. Could have been on instance. vacation anywhere in the states. Could have been while he was doing his five minute stint in Buffalo. I mean, <laughs> I don't think he showed up to Buffalo. Um, but yeah, well, not, no, to this is, not, this... not to joke about this. This is actually a pretty serious case. Yeah, it really um, is. But this this puts a lot of things in perspective. Which we're obviously we want to talk about the Patriots next. I mean, that th- this is huge. But I mean. As far as Antonio Brown goes, this this adds to the media circus that's already been Antonio Brown. And, I mean, Brian Snow tweeted out, uh, Snowman in the Morning, just plain damn. I actually hope all due diligence is done and the truth surfaces, which I think we all hope as journalists with integrity, Alessandro, we, we just, you know, let's not jump to conclusions here. I'm not. Uh, but we, uh, we, have to assume, we have to assume that he's not going to play for a little bit, I think. I, and, I mean, that might have been the assumption anyway, that he would be eased into the Patriots system. Um, but yeah, it's gonna, we really can't rely on Antonio Brown this year. <laughs> I know I have him in Scott Fishbowl, which is looking like a much worse pick than my Zeke 101 pick, by the way. Uh, your Zeke 101 pick, I'm still pissed about you, about, but yeah, it still look better than yeah, Antonio right. Brown. Um, anyway, let's, let's get back to this Eagles-Washington game. Uh, so Denver fans, that my first takeaway from this game is Denver, Denver fans must be so angry at Case Keenum because they must be asking, where was this last year? Exactly. Literally, like this, the all these deep passes, it, it's exactly what Denver was missing last year. And suddenly, Case Keenum found it in, in Washington of all places. Uh, Terry McCorn, the rookie, looked really good. Uh, Chris Thompson just doing his thing, catching a bunch of passes. And now that Geis is out, I, I mean, AP is going to play if Geis isn't playing. Uh, but I still feel like Chris Thompson's the the running back to own on that team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, it's it's. It's scary to think, but with Guys being hurt, Thompson's going to be the guy. Plus, here's the other thing. AP was a healthy scratch, but pissed <laughs> off most of the team's veterans. So, actually, really? okay. it did. He was a healthy scratch, and there were all, all reports saying that, you know, um, the, the guy wasn't playing because of something, but... I mean, they responded well. They, they came out shooting out of the cannon. So whatever whatever the coach did to motivate them, it did mostly worked. I mean, they couldn't. And here's the thing. Washington played well, but Carson Wentz, I was watching some of those passes he was throwing. They were beauties. Like, they, these were compl- like perfectly timed with Jackson on deep plays. And that's, you know, for a guy as fast as Jackson, that's tough to develop. But uh, it seems like Wentz already has that. Um, obviously, we know he has a connection with Ertz and Jeffrey. I know Ertz may be disappointing. Only five catches for 54 yards, no touchdown. Um, they didn't really run. They didn't really throw at all in the red zone. They were. It was very similar to to Carolina. You know, they did throw a couple passes, but Miles Sanders, Darren Sproles, Jordan Howard, Alshon Jeffrey all got red zone carries. So when getting get, they liked running in the red zone. And yeah, Sproles, Howard, and Jeffrey got targets, but inside the the five, they were running with Sanders, running with Jeffrey. Um, but still, say uh, Wentz three touchdowns, but it was all on on deep plays, which made Jason Jackson look really great. And again, if 
I feel like those three are kind of the three top targets, and it's really solidified. Maybe Miles Sanders gets more targets as the season goes on. I mean, he he led the the running backs in snaps. He had he had outsnapped them, uh, forty eight to, th- or sorry, thirty six to twenty three to seventeen over Sproles and Howard. So, I expect his usage only to go up as the season goes on. So Sanders is going to start being a really good play. It, it, although this this does seem like a big committee as well, but. Eventually, Sanders is going to play so well that they're going to not be able to leave him on the bench, and we already kind of started to see it, right? Because he started to get more play as the game went on, and and not showing up on the on the score sheet is a, a touchdown that was taken away on a, on a hold play that didn't affect the run at all. So without the hold play, it's not like the hold being there is the reason he scored. Like it, Sanders just looks really great, and uh, so yeah, we can kind of expect him moving forward for Washington receivers. We got, like I said, we got McLaurin. Uh, Paul Richardson and Trey Quinn were the other two starters. Quinn saw some red zone targets, so there's hope that those guys could do well with Keenum. I wouldn't say every week starters, but certainly matchup dependent. They may they may do well. Trey Quinn, I think, is the guy I would bank on the most. He played almost every snap, 65 of 67. Although the rookie McLaurin wasn't too far behind, 62 of 67. So I think those two are your, are your main passing targets. And I don't know if I trust Paul Richardson at all, even in amazing matchups. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem, you know. Um, yeah, we're over an hour, so let's let's quickly go through. I mean, how many games we have left? We got about uh, we got about ten games left. So let's just uh, eight games. Uh, maybe eight. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so let's hammer through. With there okay, with any last remarks first about the Eagles in Washington? No, Eagles made a beautiful comeback. Carson Wentz finally got in groove, and I love it. Um, so that's all I got to say on it. The thing I do want to say real quick is in another game, which okay, we should sure. get to, yeah, is yeah, we the get to. Chargers Colts. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's actually what I was about to go. So good. Um, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, so what, what do you? What, what, what's your big takeaway from this game? I'll let you start. Uh, big, ta- big takeaway: Bye, 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 Austin Eckler. That man had a beautiful day. Um, Twelve oh, yeah. carries, fifty-eight yards, one touchdowns, six receptions off of seven targets, ninety-six yards. Two touchdowns. He, I mean, he 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 got all the love from Philip Rivers, who threw three touchdowns, one interception. I'm not I'm not really too worried about that. But 333 yards off of 25 completions, 34 attempts. That's pretty huge. Typical typical Rivers day. Typical Rivers day. That's just another day in the neighborhood. Um, but Austin Eckler, huge, huge, huge. Justin Jackson. He was there, but he didn't make as much noise as Austin Eckler did. Obviously, with being lead back, you're going to get the most shares. Yeah. Uh, big Jackson thing. Jackson looked good, though. Jackson he, looked he good. Did. 9.5 yards to carry. And yeah, that, most of that was a 24-yarder. That was about half of his yardage. But uh, still, uh, he got some red zone looks, too. And I mean, he didn't score. Uh, Eckler's funny. He had three red zone looks, and I think he scored on all three. He did. So, so uh, I mean, That's huge. So, you know, Jackson, if he could – this this is also a tough defense. The Colts have a really good run defense, so it was definitely a game that was going to favor Eckler more as an outside runner that was going to catch passes. Oh, big uh, time. I, I still have confidence playing Justin Jackson, at least in deeper leagues. I know I have him in a, in a league where we have, I think, 12 or 13 starters. So it's uh, got to start at least three running backs, and I really don't have that many good running backs. So Justin Jackson's almost an every-week starter for me. Maybe, maybe uh, that's, should, that league's not going very well for uh, for purposes. That's uh, that's definitely a, almost a rebuild for the future type of situation already. But but still, like I feel like 
Jackson's going to have good days. They're, they're using him enough in the red zone, even though he's not getting a ton of carries. Uh, I mean, a third of his rushing attempts were in, in the red zone, so that's I think that's a good sign for him. Uh, speaking of red zone work, Marlon Mack, uh, four red zone carries. And it's funny because oh, he, he scored a touchdown, and it was it, and his touchdown was a long touchdown outside the red zone. I think it was a career long for him. The 63 yards. So, that's what it was. He had uh, hell of a day too. Twenty-five carries, one hundred and seventy-four yards, and that's before he like he didn't even get involved in the passing game. That's all running. That's huge. Which I think that's the usage we expect from right. He he wasn't he didn't catch very many passes last year. He kind of did his first year when when uh, he and Frank Gore were there. He operated more as the receiving back, but Naeem Hines kind of takes a lot of that away. I mean, he had four targets for four yards. Jeez, caught all four of them. But yeah, that's uh. Naeem Hines is uh, that that's too deep. Unfortunately, the pass catching role is too niche uh, in an offense that I mean they only even though they were behind and they're the team needing to come back. Um, they're they only threw the ball twenty seven times, which also shows that they're going to be a run first team. I think. Even so, T. Y. Hilton still got nine targets, uh, which is a third of their total. Target. He all in eight times for eighty seven yards, two touchdowns. That's still pretty good. Yeah, so it looks like T.Y. is still going to be T.Y. Um, Devin Funches left this game with an injury. So if, if he's out long-term, De- Deion Kane suddenly becomes a more appealing option. Only, he only had the two targets in the game, but he was second on the team in receiving yards. Which is huge because Dion was ranked lower than Paris Campbell on the depth chart. Yeah, so... yeah. It seemed like, well, it seemed like Kane only got in the field once Funches got hurt. Which, exactly. again, if, if Funches is out long-term, then they're, they're, that problem suddenly goes away and and Kane becomes uh, kind of a you know a more usable player. It's funny with Campbell; he only had one target, and it was a red zone target, which is surprising since he's so small. You don't really see him as a as a red zone guy, but uh, yeah. Uh, I, by the way, I know so much about red zone work because I, I researched it all. Uh, I'm putting out a red zone report tomorrow, and it's going to go in detail to what each team is is. Uh, did in the red zone and you know how they split carries if some teams didn't even run at all in the red zone right so uh right. Let's look for that tomorrow on full press coverage but anyway uh shameless plug so receiving game for the chargers i mean keenan allen did what i think we expected him to do eight carries 123 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets once again the leading guy i think very clearly the top guy um and again it's something that the, the number two guy was it going to be hunter henry mike mike williams it was actually austin eckler so uh um, Henry didn't see a red zone target. He did get five targets, though, but you kind of hope that as a tight end, he's going to see more work in the red zone. I guess that's the concerning thing for Henry. Uh, where he's being drafted, I know for me, uh, in the leagues that I drafted him, I didn't draft a backup tight end, so I'm starting him every week, kind of no question. But, yeah, it, it's uh, temper expectations unless he starts seeing red zone targets. Well, you know, so it... Do you have anything else to say for this game, Kyle? Uh, no, I think I'm pretty satisfied. We can get to the next game. What do you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about temper expectations, and it's definitely from the Seahawks and Bengals game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I had big expectations for Chris Carson. I did too. I mean, we all did. He was a very dominant back. This game shook me to my core. I the picked Bengals Seattle, I picked Seattle were- in Survivor Pools this week because I thought that that was, you know, the, the spread. I mean, the Vegas spread had it as, like, the Seahawks is an 8.5 favorite, non-divisional game. I, and I thought maybe the spread was too big, but I also thought that it's, Se- it's Seahawks. They're going to win this game. And 
looked good for a while, and then since he started coming back and actually took a lead at halftime and then uh, kind of forced Seattle to take the lead back in the fourth quarter early. Oh, yeah. I mean, it took them all the way till the fourth quarter. What, there was 17-14 going to the fourth, and then Seattle scored a – I mean, Cincinnati scored three, and then Seattle finally scored. But um, I'm getting off target. Yep. Um, what, what I was talking about is don't buy into the hype. Andy Dalton. 418 yards, two touchdowns. The man that career high. Career high. He is the NFL passing leader right now of 418. Granted, it's 35, 35 uh, catches that he had off of 51. Yeah, runs. on 51, 51 pass attempts. So he, so better, be, so. he better be throwing yards in that. Um, but I would temper expectations um, only because the Seattle defense, it's it's shaky, man. I, I We knew it was shaking going in, just talking about it. Yeah, some and good so, front seven pieces, but yeah, that secondary. I mean, look how look how often John Ross was open, and I mean he dropped what would have been probably another touchdown. So his his day could have been even better. Um, and he, I mean, they he just, still had twelve targets on seven catches. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, he could have he again he if he had caught that pass, it may not have been a touchdown, but it probably would have been an, an you know at least another 20, 30 yards. So we're we're talking about a huge monster game for John Ross. Um, Seven receptions off 158 yards, uh, which is an average of 22.6 yards for you math geeks. Mm-hmm. T- a total of two touchdowns. Are you kidding me? All the yep. touchdowns went to John Ross, which is and, huge. And last year, Ross, it seemed like all those touchdowns are red zone ones, like one-yard touchdowns, which is crazy that you called John Ross a red zone weapon. But he finally scored well, in the well, manner we thought. We, we finally well, saw him la- score deep. And, uh, yeah, sorry. Well, no, I was saying – Last year, we thought John Ross was on his way out. He was doing so bad. We thought he was on his <laughs> way off out. This offseason, we thought John Ross was on his way out. And I mean, he... and, and now with, you know, A.J. Green, obviously A.J. Green hurt. I mean, the man is fantastic when he's not hurt. But with him, I mean, they, they had everyone else. Tyler Eifert, Tyler Boyd, uh, C.J. Uzma, um, Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon. They had all those guys they could use. They had Alex Eckerson, who is their freaking punter. More or less, wide receiver, punt, punt returner, not punter. He's a punt returner. That's what I meant to say, punt returner. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got you. I got um, you. Um, the freaking punt returner had. Yeah. We we all thought that they were going to do it. No, John Ross is like, you know what? I want to silence all the critics. I want to have a monster day. And did he ever? Um. So the big bad news for the the Bengals is uh, Joe Mixon left with an injury. Uh, Wait, Gio but Bernard he is, came. He is fine though. He is fine. Is he going to play week two? Um. Or are we not sure yet? We're not sure yet. He is okay. trending towards playing week two. I did read something about this. Well, that's he a is sigh of relief for those who. I mean, it's a sigh of relief for those who took him. I mean, he was a borderline first round pick, so uh, definitely a disappointing day for him. Considering that the Seahawks defense isn't quite what they used to be, but still a good front seven. That's true. So they could stop the run game. I mean, but it did seem like clearly the top two targets were Ross and, and Boyd, and I kind of expect that to continue until at least until AJ Green comes back. I don't expecting that even past AJ Green coming back. I mean AJ Green, I love him, but he's getting hurt way too much. He's I mean he's getting a lot more fragile. I think Ocho Cinco will probably be doing better than he does. I mean, I know it's don't a stress. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> and I mean, um, okay, this last injury was pretty unlucky. I mean, they were playing on a field that they've never played on before. It was really poor quality. The players even t- told their coaches they shouldn't do it, but they kind of got forced out. And then what do you know? He gets hurt. So. I think as long as he rehabs properly, he's going to be on proper NFL fields for the rest of the season. So he should. I don't, right. 
big news for the Seahawks, though, was DK Metcalf looked great. And, uh, again, he, he got open on deep routes, which is what we expect him to do, and he was able to come up with six, uh, four or six ca- uh, targets. So uh, it's, not bad. It's, it's a one-dimensional player, but he's got a quarterback that can throw a good deep ball, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to work more times than it's not. Uh, Tyler Lockett, though, one catch for 44 yards and a touchdown, which salvaged his day, but it certainly wasn't the volume. You know, with Doug Baldwin leaving, everyone was expecting Tyler Lockett to be the, the target monster. It ended up being Chris Carson. And, and I mean, Carson and Metcalf combined for over half of Wilson's targets. Uh, and Carson was their weapon in the red zone. Uh, they literally ran five plays in the red zone. Four of them were Carson runs, and the other one was, was a uh, the touchdown pass to Carson. So... Uh, he he is their red zone weapon, and he is their primary weapon for for the year. Uh, yeah, his yards got limited. I mean, he scored two touchdowns though, which definitely helped his fantasy day. Uh, I mean, the the, the bigger th- takeaway from all this is the Bengals defense. Yes, what that's true. happened there? Four yeah. sacks on Russell Wilson, the Magic Man. They mm-hmm. touched him. Yeah. Like, Not that the a- Seahawks offensive line is amazing, but yeah, I didn't expect the Bengals defense to do that well. I agree. And, and, and it wasn't even from, like, Geno Atkins or someone that you expect. I mean, I'm pretty sure, yeah, Geno Atkins didn't even have a sack. He had a tack for a loss, but he combined that with Preston Brown. It was Carlos Dunlap, uh, uh, Trey uh, Kirkpatrick. I mean, what what happened there? What? <laughs> so that, that that's huge there alone. I mean, granted, the um, – the Seahawks did have five sacks, so they were able to go tit for tat with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this was an interesting matchup. That's to say the least. Uh, speaking of interesting matchups, let's get to another another opening game where the Lions play a rookie quarterback. Uh, this time they tied and <laughs> didn't lose to the Jets like they did last year. Give you a good memory. Um, but they tied the Cardinals oh. in what was a. Uh, I mean, this is a pretty exciting game. I mean, the the Lions had it for a while, and then suddenly the the Cardinals' offense came alive. Kyler Murray certainly they came alive. I mean, he looked he looked like he belonged in the NFL. He, I mean, he and again, it wasn't all because he had to run, right? He dropped back fifty four times, threw an interception, but two touchdowns. That's that's good. Uh, Stafford, on the other hand, kept it clean. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Twenty seven forty five, three eighty five. That's that's pretty solid numbers for Stafford. And uh, surprisingly, who would you, okay, I mean, who did you, I didn't expect the top two targets for the Lions to be Danny Amendola and TJ Hawkinson, but both went over 100 yards, both scored a touchdown. Um, well, hold on, can we get to the real shocker here? Larry Fitz, 113 yards, one is touchdown. That, is that though? I didn't think that was a shocker. I kind of, I, I was surprised. I was surprised when Ryan Adverada started talking in, in our team by team series that Christian Kirk was going to be the number one receiver. Well, that, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like, Christian Kirk um, and a few other guys were, like, the, the big names that Larry Fitz is going to be the dependable one. He's going to be more like a, uh, a, a, um, a running back check down kind of play just in case, you know, a blanket, so to speak, for Kyle Murray. No. Larry Fitz is like, I'm going to go ball out with these youngsters. 14.1 average yards. His longest was 45. Yeah. That's ridiculous. He had 13 mm-hmm. targets. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Definitely. Uh, part of my expectation for the season, at least early in the going, was that Kyler Murray would realize that he's not going to get Fitzgerald for most of his career. He, in fact, it may just be this year, so I might as well pepper him with targets while I have him. Right? I, I thought that was maybe that got too narrative street, and then again, once the news, at least from camp, that Kirk was looking like number one guy, sort of started fading Fitz. But 
really, it, yeah, Fitzgerald's a pretty great player. Uh, hallelujah for David Johnson, though. I mean, it, yeah, 4.6 yards to carry. So he, he, it's not that he was contained. I mean, he had a long of 18 yards. But still, he looked good. And uh, the offensive line played better enough to allow him space. And uh, unlike Mike McCoy, they actually threw him the ball. He and he, and, seven and he had a, um, a receiving touchdown. Yeah. So uh, seven targets. Had himself a, a great day. And I think, you know, he's obviously... I don't think we have to focus too much on David Johnson. If you if you draft the Johnson, you're playing him every single week, without exactly. exception. Especially a, a running back who can catch passes like that. Even in tough matchups, you're still going to play him. Because then, in tough matchups, you think that's where they're going to use him. Um, well, the thing you do have to worry about is the Lions. Carry on Johnson, 16 carries for 49 yards. C.J. Anderson, 11 mm-hmm. carries, 35 yards. He, I mean, that, 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 I'm not saying it's split even, but it's in Carrion's favor. But, I mean, the fact that he did about the same with less carries yeah. is, is scaring me. Then mm-hmm. again, Matthew Stafford did run the ball three times for 22 yards. He ran for his life. So, uh, <laughs> uh, to, to continue on the Anderson-Johnson thing, uh, Anderson had two red zone carries. Carrion only had one. So in, in some regards, Anderson was actually had a bit more usage than him, in, at least in that specific red zone regard. But um, uh, Carrion did get two pass, uh, two catches, two for two, 13 yards. No touchdowns, but, you know, two for yeah. thir- thir- 13 yards. It's not bad for a receiver. But then again, I think he played the majority of snaps, at least 90% of it. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's uh, a pretty good. 57%. 57%? Played, yeah, he played 50 snaps. Anderson played 26. So, about just under half. And, but like you said, in terms of yard production, I mean, Carrion totally good. yards barely passed Anderson. So, yeah. Um, it is concerning. Yeah. I, I mean, we kind of expect, especially when Theo Riddick was gone, that Carrion would kind of be a borderline workhorse. But, uh, they do like running with Anderson, and he's he's a good runner. So yeah. Yeah, he showed up. Uh, maybe temper expectations like for how much work Carryon's actually going to get. I mean, again, the fact that Anderson didn't see a target is also key, though. That shows that Carryon is the pass catching back, and he has that role solidified. So I still think he should play him most weeks, but you know, don't go in thinking he's going to be your RB one every week. No, no. And 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 the the final thing I would say about this, well, the final two things I would say is one, um, Detroit defense, pretty good rushers. I mean. You think with Trey Flowers and, um, uh, you know, a few of their other guys, Jamal Agnew, that they had, that would just be the guys? No, it was completely not. It was De- Devon Kennard and um, I'm not going to try to say his name. It's like it was other guys that you just didn't expect, you know, D-linemen and other linebackers that got Kyle Murray for five times. And, and that, that that's huge as far as – the Lions improving on sacking because they were in the bottom half. And the other thing I would like to finish up on is Stafford lost two fumbles. I mean, he fumbled yeah, twice. As much as, yeah, you're right. I, I did, you're right. I did say he kept a clean sheet, but, I mean, he, he didn't throw any interceptions. But, yeah, definitely can't be turning the ball over in any facet. Fumbles, fumbles just hurt just as bad as uh, any other position. So, yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the 49ers and Buccaneers game. I know I kind of expected this to be a shootout, and, it was what was it 10-3 at halftime or or seven six at halftime? Um, no, it was ten three. No, I mean, it's six seven. My bad. I'm sorry. I can't count. Yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> same boat. Um, but yeah, lots of turnovers in this game. I mean, Winston threw three. Garoppolo threw one. Um, Winston fumbled, fumbled twice. You didn't lose uh, either, which is, I mean, thankfully on them. But I mean, you didn't recover them. <laughs> you can't. You cannot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and someone else had to recover for him. 
you can't be turning over the ball like that, though. Uh, I, okay, so big news from this game. Tevin Coleman left with an injury. Uh, they're calling it a high ankle sprain, and he's expected to miss time. Like, he's going to miss several weeks. So yeah, they're expecting means... at least four weeks miss. Yeah, so it's going to be more carries for Matt Burita, who saw 15 carries in this game, and then Raheem Mostard, who came in and actually led the team in rushing yards. So uh, The bigger there's... takeaway for me is the throwing game. Winston threw more and got more yardage. Obviously, that's going to correlate. But um, he threw three interceptions. Jimmy and only one touchdown. Jimmy G threw one touchdown and had one interception. So th- mm-hmm. that that was huge on both half. I mean, we we all saw Jimmy G in the preseason. He wasn't that great, but then uh, turn around this uh, week one game, he did pretty good. He, I mean, granted, Kittle was the big receiver of all of his uh, love. Um, eight receptions out of ten targets, fifty-four yards, no touchdowns though. Which is not a great average. I mean, even I know it's tight ends not. shorter, but yeah, it's not. You'd expect more from Kittle, who was a yak monster last year. Uh, my biggest sort of takeaway was the running back usage for Tampa. So, uh, Dari Dari Ogumbawale, he actually no, led yes. them. He actually led them in snaps among the running backs. 27, Peyton Barber at 25, Ronald Jones at 22. So it was even. But uh, Ngumbawale didn't see a single carry. It was all passing game, which, again, that's going to be huge for them that he's going to be the guy on passing downs. I mean, he saw five targets, second on the team in receiving yards, tied for the lead with O.J. Howard in receptions. So, I mean, that very clearly, they found their pass catching back that they want. But in terms of running the football, it seemed like Jones has kind of surpassed Peyton Barber already. Um, um I mean is the only other things you could talk about here is uh Debo. He didn't have that much he he had a decent day. I know a lot of people got him in Dynasty and uh Deaver Leagues. Um three receptions, three targets, seventeen yards. He fumbled the ball once and I'm pretty sure they didn't target him after that. Uh I guess yeah, and the big shocker was Dante Pettis played two snaps. And even yeah. so, he still he still saw a target on, on one of his two snaps, which I guess talks about how much talent he has and how much they want to use him. But, I mean, there was talk in the offseason that Shanahan was trying to motivate him. You don't motivate a guy by only playing two snaps. Like, that's – there's something there. He's not he's not doing something that he should be doing that's making the coaching staff say we can't put him out there. Because, again, the, of the two plays he was on the field, he saw a target. So Jimmy G obviously likes him. So it definitely has nothing to do with with the quarterback relationship. It's I don't know. It's it's if he's only playing two snaps a game, he's unplayable. Even if even if he sees a target on half the snaps he plays. Um, so I think that's a weighted out situation. And I mean, I don't think I have Pettis in any leagues because he was starting to go too high to where I was willing to take him. Uh, but he might be kind of like Corey Davis, right? And John Wallace and those guys might all be. You might cut them all to pick up guys that you really want. Mike Evans had a disappointing performance. Two catches for 28 yards. Uh, we'll see. I mean, 49ers have a good defense, but again, we talk about there's tons of good defenses in the NFL. We can't you just keep using that as an excuse. So uh, Sherman, R- Richard Sherman, coming back, he's had some injuries in the last few years. He covered Evans really well. Um, Chris Godwin kind of became the, the top target anyway. Six targets. He caught the touchdown pass. He seemed like he was the play to make uh, this week. I mean, like, you can't bench Mike Evans. I wouldn't dream of benching him. I don't think you really can. 
I know he was kind of nursing a foot injury, so yeah, I, I mean, Godwin ended up playing more snaps than him, but Evans still played 86% of the snaps, so it's not as if he was a part-time player. Uh, you just you, you, you hope for improved quarterback play for then improving his target quality. And then O.J. Howard, it's the same boat as with uh, uh, Hunter Henry, right? You took him so high that, you, you you know, if you're making that commitment at tight end, you have to kind of, it's too early to just jump ship, right? I mean, four or five targets, 32 yards, not the greatest, but I still think it's it's too early in the season to give up on O.J. Howard. Uh, you good to move on to the next game? Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Sunday night massacre of the Steelers. Is the, they definitely didn't steal a victory here. The Patriots just demolished them. Um, the running back usage was interesting. I mean, Michelle had the most carries, 15, but also 0.9 yards per carry. It is, the Steelers' run defense is very well improved, though, because last year, Michelle would just torch them, right? So, um, I mean, maybe, maybe it all does start with uh, Devin Bush. 11 tackles. So he he's definitely changed that game to the point where the Steelers went from being, uh, oh, target your running backs against them to you may want to avoid running backs against them. At least that's what I think. I, I know that the Patriots running backs seem to have more success in the passing game. Uh, White had 56 yards in the air, 44 on uh, 44. Uh, sorry, 26 yards on the ground. Burke had 41 through the air, 44 on the ground. He, he was seemed to be the best one on the ground, but... Uh, still, this was all about the Patriots' passing game. Dorsett had a pair of touchdowns. Gordon had a touchdown. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's, the Steelers... it's, it's be... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's going to be tough to trust Pat Patriots running backs from here on out, but they're all getting so much usage that, like, I mean, like, I, I mean, James White, because he gets catches enough passes, I think he's going to be a guy to play more. I don't know if Burkhead's going to see this usual workload that he got um we'll see we'll see but i i still kind of trust james white and i to a certain extent trust michelle again better running matchups will favor michelle yeah i mean um the the the, the steelers definitely took the cues from the super bowl rams as far <laughs> as the scored the points. same amount of points <laughs> yeah scored the same amount of points um uh but i do think it's very lopsided and it's very much because um, everyone start hyping up the the Steeler backfield. No, the Steeler backfield still is terrible. I mean, their their front line, their front seven is still good. Their backfield is still terrible. I'm sorry, yeah, Brady. The secondary, yeah. Yeah, Brady chewed it up. 341 oh. yards, which Brady is a mid tier quarterback as far as fantasy goes. But he but he became I'm pretty sure like QB two, right behind Lamar Jackson. Like it wasn't even funny this week. I mean, and as far as yeah. you know, the rushing game goes, Michelle obviously is going to lead the backfield. Fifteen carries on fourteen yards. Am I reading that right? What the hell happened there? Um, but uh, Burkhead, White, Elman even got in the game just because shits and giggles. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't trust. They run, they run sweeps with him. They've done that throughout his career, so it's not. It's they not have, and he's also a nice power back. I mean, remember when James Devlin would come in just. Steal a touchdown or two. Oh, yeah, the vultures. The vultures. Yeah, the vultures. Um, I mean, Connor. It, the Steelers embodied everything wrong with them since AB and Le'Veon left. Connor couldn't run. He could catch. You know, four, uh, four for four, 44 yards, 10 carries, 21 yards. Yeah, it's not a great average. <laughs> no, it's. I'm pretty sure Le'Veon did have a lot better game. 
and it pretty much embodied everything. Juju's no AB, six for six for eight, seventy-eight yards. That's not that great either. I mean, uh, to talk about the Super Bowl, though, the Patriots seem to repeat their game plan for the Super Bowl, where they just kind of blanket covered Cooks. They did the same thing to Juju, and it, it really showed. Um, uh, now this baffles me that Dante Moncrief got ten targets. And Juju only had eight, and then Moncrief on ten targets got seven yards. So, um, yeah, I yeah, feel, yeah. Well, I feel on. like he's, ten targets, three hauls. What the hell is up with that? I feel like he's about to get phased out. I mean, a guy, a guy yeah. like Deontay Johnson and James Washington definitely looked better. Although Washington six targets, only two catches. Switzer greatest, looked but at least better. he had the yards. Well, yeah, even Switzer looked better, right? So I think I think Moncrief is going to start getting phased out. I mean, he got he was getting the veteran treatment, but. Really, when it comes to a game situation, and Ben gave him all these opportunities and he didn't follow through, I, I don't know. I'm gonna, I don't think he's ever gonna see ten targets in a game again. So I well, would definitely fade Moncrief for the rest of the season. And I don't know if I'd start Washington or Johnson in his place, but uh, I certainly I think Washington. I certainly think Vance McDonald also should be in line for more targets at the expense of Moncrief. Um, so again, he was getting to the point where, as a tight end, was getting drafted early enough that you would only take one tight end and. You kind of stuck to to play out the role there. Although maybe if there's, I mean, if Mark here's the thing, if Mark Andrews is available, I'd maybe consider dropping McDonald for Andrews. But I digress. Well, well, speaking of guys who get, should get phased out, obviously with the whole AB AB news, whatever happens happens. I know Kraft's got the best lawyers right behind Trump and all that good jazz, but um, Dorsett, he was the top guy. Elman's a good guy. Gordon's a good guy as far as wide receivers goes. Jacoby Myers, the name that we've heard coming out of camp, mm-hmm. one for one, but 22 yards. Yeah, he wasn't had a ball enough. day. But, yeah, good play when you needed him to. Yeah, and here's the thing. I feel like he's going to get a lot more yards since A.B. is now under official lawsuit review. Yeah. It I, don't think th- I don't think that he will play, so I think Myers – and since the Marys Thomas, haha, hashtag breaking news, the yeah, Marys Thomas is coming to the Jets. I think Myers is next man up to get some love. He's probably the fourth wide receiver on that team anyway. And I, I mean, uh, they barely used Izzo the tight end, and I think that's going to change once Lacoste and and Ben Watson are back. Uh, that's still four games away. Well, yeah, well, yeah, three games now for Watson, and who knows for Lacoste coming back from the injury. Uh, yeah, I think that's all our takeaways from that game. Uh, but again, discouraging sign for Connor in terms of efficiency, but workload was there. I mean, Samuels had what two targets? Yeah, and maybe one carry. So it's definitely there was talk of uh, is it going to be a committee? It doesn't look like it's going to be a committee. It's you know it's James Connor's backfield. Uh, now let's talk about something amazing. Okay, so uh, I don't know about you, but this last night's Texan Saint game is for now the measuring stick for game of the year. Right. Every every time we see a game in the rest of the season, we're gonna compare it to this Texans Saints. Hey game. Kyle. Yeah. Can I just say one thing about the Patriots? No. I love I love their punt returner. His name is Gunnar Olenski, and it makes me think yeah. of the movies uh Spaceballs. Who they made who made that man a gunner? I did, sir. He's my cousin. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> all right well, let's go to the Texans game. That game was a nail biter through and through. Let me tell you, yeah. Will Lutz got ice in his veins at 56 yarder at the very end, just booming down. Especially oh. after missing a 57 yarder just before halftime, that must have been in his head. And uh, it, it, it was good on him to get get it out and just, I'm gonna make the kick this time. And good on him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he boomed it. Um, big takeaways from this game: 
Deshaun Watson, his O-line is god-awful. Six sacks for 34 yards back. Yeah. They got to protect him a lot better if they want to make him better. I mean, he went 20 for 30, 268 yards, three touchdowns, one interceptions. Six sacks is not pretty. Tunsil didn't play the greatest, but you also expect with the offensive line, chemistry is really important. So to to take a, a, a you know trade for an offensive tackle like a week ago and, and just stick him in the lineup, it's not always going to work. No, uh, but they should the, have done the a Saints, lot better. The Saints have a team to win the Super Bowl. They've got the defense for it. The great pieces all along that defensive line. They've got. They certainly have the offense for it. Um, so I wouldn't uh, go that far now. Really? I mean, they were they were a win- they were almost a play away from the, the Super Bowl last year. So, uh, I, anyway. I understand all that, but looking at this game as a whole, the Texans almost beat the Saints, and that's it's only because, oh, yeah. it, it's only because Will Luck uh, out. That that speaks think, a lot. I think it speaks to how good the Texans are too, though. I mean, again, they were a playoff team last year. Uh, I, especially with now Nick Foles out, maybe the Titans take that division. But I, I you still have to see the Texans as the favorite in the South. Oh, yeah. I, at least I do. Um, one good thing, I guess. Okay, so let's. I mean, Thomas and Hopkins both had 13 targets. They, you know, their games went as as expected. Thomas didn't find the end zone, whereas Hopkins found the end zone twice. Found um, <laughs> it twice. Kamara was the second leading target on the Saints, which again is as expected. Uh, he had 13 carries. Latavius Murray was getting work though, and managed to get a red zone carry and score a touchdown on it. But here's the big thing: Ted Ginn, he got 101 yards, seven for mm-hmm. seven. He was perfect. And the other he, thing, he still he still looks like he's a step ahead of Traquan Smith, and it's going to be at least another year before Traquan Smith's full breakout comes. He did score a touchdown in this game, but he did. He, uh, he got two for two, and yeah. and the, and the big bad man himself, Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. Oh God, does this man give me aches? Like you want Taysom Hill, but you're worried about him. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, he's, un, he's he's not startable in fantasy because, you know, you're, you're banking on him scoring a touchdown every single time he touches the ball because he doesn't really touch the ball that often. So it, uh, as much as it's, it, I mean, it's the, it's a frustrating situation for fantasy because he's just taking away touchdown potential from Thomas or, or All his touchdowns, the whole nine love. The one thing I will say, um, Kamara, he did have, a night, have himself a nice day. No touchdowns, yes. but... Seven receptions, 72 yards, which is about 10.3 yards per thing. 13 carries, 97 yards. I do like that. Um, Latavius Murray, though. Yeah, they ran They ran so well against the Texans because he had 7.5 yards to carry. Latavius Murray had 7.2. It seemed like every time it was just big holes. So that's maybe something that's concerning for the Texans is the pass rush seemed decent. I mean, the, the Saints' offensive line is pretty good, but, you know, they were kind of forcing some things. I mean, they breeze in the red zone just before halftime through a bad interception where – Kind of scrambled outside the pocket and tried to force force a play. He tried uh, to get something going, man. Yeah. The, the other the other the other rushing thing that I like is Carlos Hyde. Yep. Got I was in. Ten, ten carries, eighty three yards, no touchdowns, and then Duke Johnson right behind him, nine carries, fifty seven yards. I mean, the, the the target share is about the same, but the yardage is different. But Duke Johnson was used more in the passing game for four for five, thirty three yards, still no touchdowns. Carlos Hyde was only targeted once and only got two yards, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. not really his role. It's going to be Johnson passing, but yeah, Carlos Hyde showed he could... could, I mean, that 20-yard run, he he looked really explosive on that run. He cut well, and uh, again, we talked about the poor Texans offensive line, and it didn't seem to affect Hyde too much. So, uh, good on him, and that might be something 
to kind of watch out for is both running backs sort of start to enter relevancy, at least as flex plays. And then the other guy, Kenny Stills, just he was part of another package trade. Um, or no, he was still part of the Tunsil one. Yeah, that was the same he was, trade. Uh, he was part of it. Three, uh, he went three for three, 37 yards, and a touchdown. It's not bad for his first game as a Texan. I mean, uh, he obviously he's still a flex play to begin with because you still have Will Fuller and D Hop, you know, ahead of them. Obviously, not going to overshadow DeHan, uh, DeAndre, but he may surpass Will Fuller. It depends on uh, who's got the hot hand. But yeah, I mean, he's not bad. Uh, any further takeaways? Or are we going to get to our final game? Um, Saints defense, very good. Six sacks. That's scary. Yeah, again, Texans O-line, but I think the Saints defense and uh, probably played play better than I thought they would here. And they only they allowed 30, uh, you only allowed 28 points, so it, uh, good on them, I think. I was expecting more of a shootout. That's true. Now let's get to the upset game of the week. <laughs> you see, I didn't think this was an upset. I know, I, I mean, and it, the Vegas spread was a, it was a pick'em game. It was a zero-point spread, and I thought maybe... I know everyone was was talking about all how much of a distraction AB was, and it's like, yeah, but he's no longer there. I mean, I think I thought they had got rid of him early enough that they could just kind of take the weekend to just focus on the game, and it's it certainly would seem like Oakland came to play. Yeah, oh yeah, they, they couldn't they couldn't stop the run <laughs> whatsoever. No, and see that, that 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 that's what worries me because we were boasting about the Broncos defense, talking it up, t- saying how good it was, and you couldn't know, even get a, did they even get a, a like a, a, a hurry or a pressure? Uh, yes, uh, they they get they got hurried. They did three sacks. Oh, wait, but, no, they did. Zero no sacks, sacks. Zero no QB, QB hits, hit. zero sacks. Like, yeah, that that was supposed to, and that's supposed that's supposed to be the strength of the defense is the pass rush between oh, Chubb oh, and. and, and oh, here, here's, here's the other thing. Oakland got three sacks. Yeah, which yeah yeah yeah. Where that where's that coming from? So I mean, I thought going into it that certainly the Broncos are the better pass rush, and you look at the offensive lines as kind of a wash. If anything, kind of leading towards. Broncos, but yeah, yeah, they uh, that definitely uh, wrecked all the plans. But uh, Joe Flacco and Derek Carr about the same stats: two for thirty-one, two sixty-eight, one touchdown for Joe Flacco, two uh, twenty-two for twenty-six, two hundred fifty-nine yards, one touchdown. It's about the same for both of them. the The thing that really separated him was the run game. Josh Jacobs had a hell of a day for his rookie appearance. I mean, I'm pretty sure he had a stat where only. LT was the only other uh, guy to get two touchdowns and at least 80 yards in their opening game or something like that. Yeah, because he had 100 yards from scrimmage. 100 yards or something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, because he had uh, how many yards from scrimmage here? He had uh, 100 and, 113. Yeah, I mean, that that's crazy that, that he's being compared to LT as far as rookie beginnings. Like, that, mm-hmm. that that's huge on his Raiders defense. Um. Royce Freeman and Phil Lindsay. Phil Lindsay was dozen yard rusher last year. Royce Freeman really was nothing. Now it's running back by committee. I mean, Lindsay had the most shares, eleven carries, forty three yards. Royce, ten carries, fifty six yards. Granted, he did have a twenty six yard boom. Mm-hmm. So take that away. You got nine carries for thirty uh, some uh, yards. So I mean, that's that drops things a lot. But um, even still, it looks like running back by committee. Flip side of the ball, DeAndre Washington, Jalen Richard was nothing compared to Josh Jacobs. 23 carries, 85 yards, two touchdowns. Granted, some and, of that was uh, full on work, so the average looking, does Looking suck. at my uh, my red zone report for tomorrow, Jacobs had the most red zone carries out of anybody. He had eight carries inside the 20. 
including two inside the five. So, yeah, you know, they, they were force feeding him when they got down there, which also explains why Carr only threw the one touchdown pass, the big uh, long one to uh, Tyrell Williams. Uh, we also saw, you know, at least for Denver, we knew who their, their main starters were, and that's those are the only players who got targets. Cortland Sutton had eight, Sanders had seven, uh, Lindsay had six, Noah Fant had five, Deshaun Hamilton four, and then Royce Freeman one, and no one else saw a target. No one else saw a carry. No so it was really it's those those main five six guys. Those are the guys for Denver. And I mean, Cortland Sutton kind of showed up as it started. Really acted like the the number one receiver. Certainly had chemistry with Flacco. Uh, seven, seven catches for 120 yards. I would hope so. Yeah. Sanders looked good too. And as much as I again, I've been I'm worried about the Achilles still. And we've seen it. Player again. I talk about Ramar Morris, uh, Ramar Morris in the CFL. A player can look good and look explosive. But the Andy Achilles could still be fragile, and one bad turn is all it takes to re-tear. So, but I mean, until it does, it's really tough to to look past what Sanders did, and I kind of I'm starting to have more confidence in him. The more time goes on, the more time he's not tearing his Achilles again. Uh, but yeah, it does look like Sutton and Sanders are the top two guys on that team. And I know Hamilton dropped a bad pass. Uh, I think it was just before halftime that could have maybe helped them get into field goal range and at least put some points on before half. So he may lose some of Flacco's confidence, and it really, I think it's just going to go to those top two and maybe the tight end Noah Fant, who looked good. Mm-hmm. As as for the Raiders, uh, Darren Waller, the tight end, was the top target, eight, eight of them, and then Tyrell Williams with seven. Again, that's I think that's how we expected it to play out. Maybe not that Ryan Grant would be third with four targets, but it was also Hunter Renfro's first game. I think he's going to get more, even Foster Moreau's a rookie. Those two are probably going to, get more as the season goes on, but it really does seem like Waller and Williams are the, the top two guys there. And so I think I think for both teams, Sutton, Sanders, Waller, Williams, those are your playable players, and I don't know if you really trust any of the other pass catchers for, for either Denver or Oakland. Sorry, go ahead. No, just, I, I was going to agree with you. I mean, um, Emil Sanders, I don't, I don't trust the knee, uh, like you said, but he had a hell of a day, and I like that. Um, big Big starters, big starters. Those are the guys that uh, can do it. Um, the other thing is, I want to talk about the Oakland side. Tyrell Williams, yep. six uh, six catches, seven targets, 105 yards, one touchdown. He had a hell of a day. I want him on the Jets. He's a really good wide receiver. He was undershadowed by Keenan Allen. I mean, when he was over there with the Chargers, he was a really good wide receiver. Um, Obviously, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, Hunt Henry, Antonio Gates, when he was there for that stint. I mean, he was undershadowed, but he did put up the numbers. So um, I'm so glad that he actually had a very good day where he could shine. Um, Darren Waller, seven for 70 yards on eight targets. He had a hell of a day. You know, I'm pretty sure he's a tight end, yeah. Um, he he showed up, said that Titan Resistance is not dead. And then the other guy that I was rooting for over there, Hunter Renfro from Clemson, only he went two for three with 13 yards, but that was on a very necessary third down catch. So he's still keeping up with his reputation as being Mr. Third Down. So, I mean, these are a lot of guys I like. And, you know, if they could get Tyrell and Hunter in the game more, Again, with A.B. out, and they could just focus on Josh Jacobs, Tyrell, and Hunter Renfro. I hate to say it, and I really do, but I think the Raiders could be contenders. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's say contenders. Yeah, I mean, um, they're, in such a, they're, in, the they're, in, 
Yeah, because they're in such a tough division, right? So it's tough to see them as being more than a, a wild card team for sure. But I mean, yeah, the, the West has sent three teams before. It could be could be another year what happens. They're certainly hey, get, get a good division win to start the season that helps you kind of get ahead there. Uh, and, and before we get ahead, we maybe fell behind a little bit in time. This episode ended up running a lot longer than originally anticipated. But I also thought it was important to kind of go through each of these games and kind of really talk about how we feel about each of these players and their you know, future usage week to week. And, you know, we'll talk specifically week two in our next episode on Friday. Uh, but Alessandro, do you have anything to tell the people before we leave? Nothing. Uh, just keep an eye out. We have some things going on and, uh, and it's normal. Fantasy's unpredictable. I mean, I, I just, I've, I have to explain how unpredictable. And at Saints Texan game, the final 55 seconds, New Orleans extends the lead to six with a field goal. Then, with 37 seconds left, Houston goes 75 yards in two plays. Mm-hmm. Um, they missed the PAT, but New Orleans was called on roughing the kicker, made the PAT again. Will Lutz charges down the field with one second left, stops the game clock, kicks the wing, winning 58-yard field goal. This is how unpredictable fantasy is, in a nutshell. Well, football in general. I mean, again, Bob well, Harris, football from, in general. From, from the football diehards, he talks about it all the time. It's a weird shaped ball. It bounces in so many different ways. So many things happen in the game that just go so unexpectedly, and then that results in massive uh, unexpected value over a course of all the games over the course of a whole week. Uh, but one thing is predictable is that we'll always be here at full press coverage. And uh, as Alessandro mentioned, we've got things coming out. I know uh, Gavin Frick, one of our writers, he wrote an article today on all the ad drops. So if you're listening to this, you know, maybe putting your waiver claims now before the before the midnight time, before they go through uh, Wednesday morning. And he gave some advice on who to pick up as priorities. I know tomorrow I'm releasing my Red Zone um, report, which I, I talked a lot about today. I feel like the Red Zone is a super important element of football. It's where a lot of touchdowns are scored. So uh, expect that. Uh, Kayla Morton. Uh, she's going to be writing the sit start for from here on out. And then, Alessandro, you're going to do some things as well that we'll see later on in the week. So, yeah, lots of weekly content from full press coverage. And as always, you can expect Alessandro and I to be here for the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. And thank you all for being here and listening. You can follow us on uh, Twitter at, at FPC underscore fantasy pod. Also, be sure to check out... Uh, you know, all the full press coverage content at FP coverage, specifically NFL is at FPC underscore NFL. You can look for all the specific teams. Alessandro writes for at FPC Jets, myself at, at FPC Packers. Um, you can follow Alessandro at AM underscore Senator, myself at Nyama underscore KS. Be sure to check out the full press fantasy pod wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on the full press radio network. So on behalf of my co-host Alessandro, myself, Kyle, wishing you all a good week too. Thank you for listening to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast.